0: Calgary sports Pinder and Steinberg are only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: So, what is it? I, I think it is the the saying they the smart people use, the the literary people, the well written and well spoken say it's always darkest before the dawn. I, I think that's the phrase. I, I'm pretty sure I nailed it. I think it applies to Major League Baseball. 48 hours ago, things looked bleak. Things looked dead in the water. Everyone was done with the BS and the garbage from both the players and the owners two days ago. Clanner, you and and I were uh, rather scathing and critical about what was going on. And it felt like the actual ability to hold a season and specifically hold a meaningful season that both sides agreed to and both sides were on board to be a part of. It felt like that was in jeopardy. Fast forward to today and a lot has changed and it feels like both sides are are close to the middle and close to agreeing on something. Commissioner Rob Manfred and PA head Tony Clark, they've met face to face. There's now a release out and a statement out from Commissioner Manfred and it, it, it looks like things are in a much better situation and we said on Monday the only thing that can salvage this thing and the only thing that can save Major League Baseball and not not just the league, but everybody involved, the league and the players, the only thing that can salvage and save them from the absolute PR nightmare that has been the last month, month and a half is if they actually come together, start to negotiate and agree on something in good faith. And it feels like Klein... That's happening. It feels like we might be close to getting baseball back and it isn't baseball back based on a unilateral decision or being mandated to come back or anything like that. It feels like maybe this is starting to turn a corner and maybe the two words good and faith actually exist when it comes to the two sides here.
2: Yeah, who knew that uh, all it would take is for basically the entire internet to, to all band together to hate on the uh, owners and the Players Association for something to, to actually get done. Um, I, I don't, it certainly was Darkest Just Before Dawn. Uh, that, that, uh, you, you used that correctly. Did I Very use it well right? well done by you. Yeah, you nailed that one. Uh, but this to one was surprise, more... Surprise, here I come. You said that right, too. Um, This one had a bit more of a feeling of the Big Bang, where there was just nothing, and now all of a sudden there's a a whole lot of stuff. But I I still think there's a ways to go. You you can still see some underlying... Uh, dissension, I guess. You see the, the statement released from Rob Manfred, and the first thing that is said is, upon my request, the two sides met. So even when they come together, there's still just a little little sprinkle of petty, uh, of petty sorry, going in there. It's just cool, uh, great, like th- this doesn't make me all of a sudden love both sides, and oh, everything is right with Major League Baseball again. Um, but it, it Keeps them from absolutely flatlining. So congratulations are in order, I suppose.
1: Here is, by the way, if you are wondering what the um, actual wording of the statement from Commissioner Manfred was, at my request, Tony Clark and I met for several hours yesterday in Phoenix. We left that meeting with a jointly developed framework that we agreed could form the basis of an agreement and subject to conversations with our respective constituents. I summarized that framework numerous times in the meeting and sent Tony a written summary today. Consistent with our conversations yesterday, I am encouraging the clubs to move forward and I trust Tony is doing the same. That comes right from Commissioner Manfred in a statement released by Major League Baseball about 20 minutes ago. And nothing in that says that there is a deal agreed upon, nothing in that says that we're all home and cooled in this regard. But I would imagine if you are a staunch baseball fan, I would imagine that if you were somebody that was extremely disappointed about the last month, month and a half, and specifically the last week or so in terms of how these negotiations have broken down, I feel like you're probably feeling a little bit more optimistic today, and I feel like that optimism is well-founded. It just feels like there is more reason to feel like baseball could be coming back, and as as we said, if, if they can come together and agree on something, and it isn't just this unilateral mandated season that, that Major League Baseball puts on the players, and then a whole bunch of... You know, legal action taken after that and grievances, so on and so forth. If they can actually agree on something and make it happen where both sides are okay with it, then I think what has happened over the last month and a half, what has happened over the last week, you can erase that and you can move forward. And that can just be kind of an ugly footnote as opposed to something that we all remember about 2020. So hopefully that's the direction we're moving because. Uh, yes it's a it's a nice first step and it's it's the first positive baseball news that we've heard in ages but as you said there's still a long way to go here
2: yeah and I think from a fan's perspective I think that there has been a lot of damage done and I don't know if 60 games in empty baseball stadiums is going to be enough to um, I guess undo some of that it's been it's been a very frustrating go to be a baseball fan for this whole stretch. It's great that they're coming together for this. I wonder why it took so long for the two sides to really start hammering this thing out. But it'll be great to see. And look, I'm as frustrated as I've been. If there is baseball July 15th, I'll be watching baseball July 15th. So maybe maybe my calls of saying that the the damage has been done, Uh, maybe there's a a bit of hypocrisy in there just because, well, I'm still definitely going to watch if they can get this thing figured out. But again, as we've also stressed before, the when and where is kind of the easy part. After that, you have to figure out um, how are we going to keep 700 players from catching this thing and having it turn into a big deal when everyone is still going to be traveling to all these different places. So the... Just figuring out when and where, fantastic! Congratulations. Um, how is going to be a, a very different story, though.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that I'm a little bit more, uh, a little bit more confident now, or a little bit more, or significantly more optimistic today than I have been at any point. Like, I just here is here is my dream. Here is my here is my utopian vision for the summer in a world in the midst of a -a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic that we have no idea how it is going to continue affecting our world, uh, affecting our livelihoods, and affecting our everyday lives. We, We don't know what that's going to look like in the next three to six to nine months. You know, It it feels like there's been some really positive news in the last couple of days about vaccines, about treatments that can um, make sure that the virus doesn't progress to a a really awful stage and and that can stem the tide until the vaccine. There's been some really positive news on that over the last 24, 48 hours. But we still don't know what this thing is going to look like. My dream is that this summer, starting in late July and going through the fall, that we have nice weather in Calgary, that we have the option to, you know, maybe check out some of what Western Canada has to offer, whether it's the the beautiful resort towns and 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 scenery like, like Waterton and Canmore and Banff and Fernie and and into the uh, into the Kootenays and like I, I'm I'm hoping that we can explore these things and explore them safely and I'm hoping that we have a steady diet of NHL, NBA and Major League Baseball action to watch. This is my dream for the summer. And Major League Baseball was threatening to ruin that dream, and now I feel like they're getting more on board with my plan. So that's the that's the really important thing is that Major League Baseball seems to have gotten on board with what I want, and I'm happy to see that, and I'm glad that I had an influence.
2: <laughs> yes, well, um, first off, I guess uh, thank you uh, is in order for for figuring that out for us. So we 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 do all greatly appreciate it. Um, but no, like I'm your sarcasm yeah, thank you. Um yeah. I, I thought it was pretty obvious. Um, but the uh it's it's obviously been a very difficult time sports fan-wise and just whole life-wise. But come August, it's going to be absolutely crazy. Like all the sports that are coming back now, with the the English Premier League is back, um, Bundesliga's been back for a little bit, NASCAR has been on, all these sports that people are slowly working their way back into are all still gonna be hanging around and then you have this influx of the NHL, the NBA, and baseball. UFC isn't going to be going anywhere. Boxing is going to be ramping some of their stuff up as well. It's going to be basically wall to wall every day, at least for a few weeks, um, with, with meaningful sports on basically 12, 15 hours a day. It's from a sports fan perspective, it's going to be glorious.
1: Uh, on the text line at 960 960. On one side, too much damage done. MLB is still dead to me. So that would be one who the um, this is not going to salvage it for him. Noah writes, players and owner- owners finally getting their bleep together, which is true. And, you know, when when it got to as bleak a situation as it was on Monday, you almost, you almost knew that something was going to come of it, whether it was going to be an actual season or not, which we still don't know. Yeah, we didn't know that at the time. But you knew that it could only probably get better from where it was on Monday because, eh, it was it was pretty bad on Monday. It was bad, and then it got worse in about two hours. So, yeah, it looks like maybe they have um, read the room a little bit more and started to figure things out a little bit. Before we move on to some other sports, I did want to uh, pass this uh, by both you and Logan, and if you're listening. Uh, I got a suspicious email today, and I think, like, I'm usually pretty good at fishing out fishing scams. I'm usually pretty good at, like, okay, no this person doesn't want to get to know me or no, there isn't pictures of this person that I need to see or no, I (laughs) did not order this special spice blend from somewhere 3000 miles away. But I got one from Canada post today. It has Canada post labels on it. Uh, It's got the graphics everywhere. Uh, It's got all rights reserved. Now it says, hello, your order has been shipped below. You can find the shipping details. It's an employee work-from-home ergonomics kit, um, and it says "click shipping details to see your delivery date." Now, the usual, the usual telltale on a phishing scam is the name says whatever it is, like Canada Post or Rogers Wireless or whatever, whatever the case may be. Canada Revenue. And then you go to the email address, and it's like some bizarre email address. We're like, well, Okay, well, that's clearly not an official government of Canada or Roger's email address. But this one comes from at shippingnotice.com, And I've been doing some research. I think it's a phishing scam. Like, I, I think it's a fake, and I'm not going to click on it. But I just want to... Does that sound like a scam to you? Yes. Well, did... did no, I, I, did, mean, not or, off, I did not yes. order an ergonomics kit. But I was like, well, maybe. Well, then maybe... it's hundred percent. Of... I was like, maybe it's, it's Rogers said, Like I, I was ninety five percent. Well, maybe, maybe Where Rogers does sent. We just work. Send
3: all of our stuff here. Here, we have a reception yeah. area. We have an address. They send everything here. Why would they send it to your home address like, all of a sudden?
1: I, I don't know. Maybe they're
3: doing, maybe they're taking pandemic. Like I was 95%. Couldn't of, uh, you have even just texted Kirsch sure? and just been like, hey, are they Did you send out a home things?
1: ergonomics? I could have done that, but it happened while we were on the air. So it's like, well, I, I thought I'd also, run this um, by you. I'm just glad that my, my fishing radar is still strong and I have yet to be duped by one of these things. And I'm glad I'm not going to be duped by this one. Thank you for your help. And thank you for swaying me all the way over to yes, this is a scam.
3: Or if you just want to have fun on an error, you can click the link and see exactly how many of your files get sent out to uh, millions of people. No, I'm mean, yeah, uh, just an let's, idea. Let's just roll with. That. I also okay. got an email, a legit email today. Great. I did
1: get a legit email today from uh, MGM Resorts um, because they did get uh, they did have a security breach recently. Um, and they told me that, uh, my information was part of the security breach and they gave me a year's worth of, uh, credit protection. So I think I actually will take advantage of that. Um, but that was not a scam. This is uh, definitely a scam. The text line, all in agreement. Um, Pat, you're better than that. 100% a phishing scam. Next, you'll be falling for the CRA one. No, I've never fallen for one of these before. I have a pretty good radar on them. I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to pass them along. Um... Pat doesn't actually sound good at detecting phishing scams. Signed the Nigerian prince. Uh, Same time, Pat. (laughs) I want to share my millions with you. Signed the Prince of Egypt. Uh, I got like, for instance, I got a job offer recently. They're like, hey, we want to. It's a part-time job. uh, Base salary per week twenty-five hundred dollars. Click here. Uh, We found your. uh, We found your resume on LinkedIn. I'm like, huh. Well, first of all, I'm not on LinkedIn, so that was my first hint. Uh, Second of all, this seems a little too good to be true, and also. Um, I got this one when I was selling my car a few years ago. Uh, I put it on Kijiji, and watch out for this scam. Immediately, I got this text message because I had my phone number on there. It's like, hey, get a hold of me. Um, so if you're on Kijiji, you could get a hold of me to if you're interested in the car. Immediately, I got this text saying, hey, is your car still available? And, yep, yeah, sure is. And um, it was from not a four zero three or a five eight seven or even a Canadian. Area code that I was familiar with so it was already a little suspicious but I was like oh, I'm talking to the guy and he's like hey well your car looks great I'll offer you this much and he offered me like more than what I was selling it for he's like I think I was selling it for nine thousand he's like would ninety two hundred work I'm like huh um okay I'm like yeah I'm sure that could work uh, would you like to come give it a test drive he's like Nope, I already like what I see, so here's what I'm going to do. I want you to drive the car here um, and leave it. My friend will pick it up. I will give you $1,000 uh, as a as a down payment right now, and uh, then I'll send the rest to you. It's like, okay, this one's a little bit too easy to pick up as a scam. I was really feeling good about my radar that day, and I'm like... Well, no, how about we meet face-to-face? Once we meet face-to-face, we can get the paperwork done and go from there. He's like, no, 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 trust me. Like My friend's a really trustworthy guy, and, and I'm, I'm, I live out of country, but I'll be there to pick it up, and I just stopped responding. And I felt really good about how I picked up a car scam. So There's a lot of scammers nice. out there. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Pat, what's your personal phone number? Signed, Crown Prince of Nigeria. Uh, well, 403- uh, a guy phoned me from the CRA fraud division. I asked him what the capital was of Canada. There was a long pause and then he hung up. Uh, one of our, uh, one of our engineers, Evan does that to telemarketers or scammers all the time. He'll, he'll just like engage them in conversation as opposed to, and then for telemarketers, I still don't believe they can hang up unless you get rude with them. So they, they have to stay on the line. So he just has conversations with them. <laughs> <laughs> um that sounds that sounds very evan-esque my favorite is when i get a so-called bank statement saying my accounts are frozen at a bank i don't have any accounts at bleeping criminals like okay yeah like i don't i don't have a bank account at capital one i think i'm five. um pat why would you settle for 2500 per week for part-time work radio guys make way more than that right good point kleiner and i are rolling in it Who needs that extra twenty five hundred dollars? I can't
3: believe that Oilers Radio was uh, willing to offer you that much.
1: (laughs) No, it was like it was a part time (laughs) job, like selling selling equipment somewhere. Yeah, again, resume not on uh, resume not on LinkedIn, and this seems a little too good to be true. Here's my personal information. I'm glad that I was able (laughs) to sniff out the uh, I was able to sniff out the the phishing scam from Canada Post. Thanks to Logan, Peter, and our text line. You can't fool me. I'm too savvy. Um, things uh, things seem to be humming along when it comes to the two other sports trying to restart their seasons. First in the NHL, training camps are set to start in about three weeks. And if you're the Flames, a little bit more hope today that your training camp would be here in Calgary. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was uh, asked today about the federal government loosening the mandatory 14-day self-isolation for people entering this country. Here's what the Prime Minister had to say today.
3: We will be making announcements around this at the appropriate time, we're working with
1: uh, local uh, health authorities, uh, provincial health authorities, and the NHL to make sure that uh, regardless of the measures in place, uh, Canadians are kept safe and our focus is on uh, community uh, safety throughout. Uh, there are ways uh, that, uh, that uh, we can ensure that these, uh, the principles are respected uh, in, in, in a way that makes sense for the NHL, and those are what the conversations are. But we are, as I said, uh, open to making arrangements as
0: long as the principles of keeping Canadians safe, first and foremost, and preventing the spread of COVID-19 are respected.
1: So, no, nothing definitive there from the Prime Minister, but it sure does sound like there will be a loosening on restrictions. Sure does sound like that they will, whether they completely absolve the 14-day quarantine for players who come back into this country. I'm, I'm not necessarily expecting that, but the one thing that we've heard, Klein, is that If this happens, they'll just extend the quarantine a little bit or the self-isolation to include the NHL facility. So... If Elias Lindholm or Derek Ryan or anybody else who would be crossing borders to come back into this country and come back to Calgary, they would be able to be at their home and the rink, and those would be the places they could self-isolate. And And I I, I know some have problems with that, and, and everybody's entitled to their opinion, and nobody's opinion is wrong on these things. But I personally don't have a problem if people who are going to be tested regularly— tested upon entering this country uh have their self-isolation expanded to involve their nhl facilities so they can get training camps underway like i i don't have a problem with that i don't believe it is threatening public safety uh i know there are some who don't like the optics of it who don't like that these people are getting special privileges i i don't see it that way myself so if they were to loosen the 14 days for pro athletes coming back into canada I honestly don't think that it's an issue. Um, I'm, so so. I think training camp is going to be here in Calgary. I think they will be able to hold it at the Saddledome, which from a financial standpoint for every Canadian team is going to be huge because we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars to hold it remotely on top of the cost of then going into the hub city. So I, I think that would be good news if you were an NHL team today.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And I, I do understand the optics of it don't look great. When there were a number of people who wanted to get back to work and couldn't, but now all of a sudden there are, there, there's a lifting of restrictions or at least an easing of them for hockey players. I, I, I can fully understand where people are, are getting frustrated with that. I'm, I'm not in that camp, but I can see how, how people can jump to that conclusion. I get from it a, in a bubble. Just from a, a flames.
1: But when you put more context into it, like it's not returning mm-hmm. to, it's not returning to an office of 500 people. It's returning to like one of the most heavily controlled situation. like if we're talking about if we're talking about public health and public safety, I, I just don't see the risk and and uh, that, that's why that's why I can see why there would be a loosening of the of the quarantine. and I, I understand that again, I get where people are coming from, but I'm like you, I'm just not in that same camp myself.
2: Yeah, and from a player's standpoint, it's just a, a nice little, it's training camp for life in a bubble as well. They're, they're not only getting back to, to it on the ice, but now, hey, this is what potentially the next three months of your life are going to be like, where it is your your living arrangement and then wherever, uh, wherever you're playing, and living arrangement and wherever you're playing. It's just a nice little training camp to get into that kind of mode as well.
1: So that's what's happening on the NHL front. Uh, And it sounds like there's probably some momentum that if you're the Jets or the Flames or the Oilers or the Canucks, those are the four teams and and Montreal too, I guess Uh, those are the five teams. The only team that wasn't looking at holding training camp in the States was Toronto because everybody's there. Otherwise all, all five of the other Canadian teams were looking at going south of the border. If there wasn't going to be a loosening, we still don't know if there's going to be, but it sounds like there's positive momentum in that respect. And then how about the details that came to light yesterday, gents on the, NBA's restart. Uh, Shams at the Athletic, Shams Terenia at the Athletic has been on an absolute tear. Like, he is murdering NBA news. And that two-hour span yesterday on his Twitter and then when he put up at the Athletic, is as unbelievable insight into any of this as we've seen um, during this whole unprecedented time. He's got everything like which team is staying where at Walt Disney World. He's got like a roster of what hotel is going to house each team. Um, We've, found out details about armbands for monitoring and getting tests um, and access through checkpoints, testing protocols, uh, itinerary uh, itineraries on a day-to-day basis, contingency plans if someone tests positive. It's 122 pages, Klein, and like we almost were privy to all of it yesterday. The, the detail that we're now aware of in the NBA and the detail to which the NBA has gone into to make sure that this restart is as safe as possible for everyone involved is uh, is pretty damn comprehensive, and and I would suggest pretty impressive. It's pretty cool to see.
2: Yeah the the amount of detail that we have is, is pretty extensive. So I, I can't imagine uh, some of the details that that we aren't necessarily privy to. It, it's it, it quite the bit of reporting from Shams, who has been a, a bit of a rock star in the NBA for the last couple of years and, and creeping into to Woj bomb territory. But no, it's that they they have when when we talk about the the NHL and all the different, like, okay, you've answered one question, here's seven more. The NBA has answered basically all of them. Like, it it is extremely detailed, all all of the NBA's plans. So I I think from a player's perspective, you have to feel at least a bit more comfortable that basically no stone has been left unturned in this whole thing.
1: And You would, like, 122 pages from the NBA, you would imagine that in the NHL, we're probably talking about something similar. Uh, I don't know if it'll yeah. be exactly 122 pages, but it'll probably be uh, somewhat large and uh, fairly comprehensive. It's not going to be exactly the same. I find it fascinating. Like, every guy going to be wearing armbands, and that's going to be your hotel key. That's going to be your access point uh, through different checkpoints. Uh, I, I think it's cool. Like, I mean, it's very apocalyptic. It's very like um, into the, uh, what is it? The the most advanced civilization in The Walking Dead. I'm trying to remember what it's called now in the comic books. Oh, uh, that's going to bother me now. Um, but anyway, it's like that where you're like, yeah, you're living in an apocalyptic world and some people are wearing masks and some people don't have to wear masks. And But you know what? That's the world that we're living in temporarily right now. And if the NBA is going to want to hold the conclusion to their regular season and to give out an NBA championship, they're going to have to do things a little bit different. And it's probably not going to be identical in the NHL, but there's going to be a lot of very similar restrictions in place in hockey too. I, I just find like, the amount of legwork that has to go into this is fascinating. I can't imagine how much work went into that 122-page document that we were made very privy to yesterday.
2: Uh, and now the the next step for the NHL. We all need to know which teams are staying in which hotels. um And from a Raptors perspective, I hope Masai's room is right next to Giannis's. Just you know, get some of those early talks going. It's it's all good.
1: Interesting. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> I believe that would be called tampering. But you know what? It's a pandemic. I don't know if they're it's going. What tampering? Uh, I don't know if they're going they're to. They're in a bubble. Uh... They're just talking. Exactly. Yeah put this on a napkin and tell me if you like it or not we'll talk another time coming up on friday uh we are celebrating father's day with our friends at wild rose brewery here's what we're doing father's days on sunday so on friday every hour on our morning show and every hour on our afternoon show so it's uh Pinder and Nalt on mornings, and Klein and Logo on afternoons. And once an hour, we're going to be giving you a cue to text. And when you get that cue to text, do so, follow the cue, and you could be winning a 12 pack of Wild Rose and a $50 gift card to the tap room. That's every hour we're giving that away in the morning and the afternoons. That's for Father's Day. All the details right now at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Happy, happy Father's Day from Wild Rose Brewery, wishing you and yours health and safety during these challenging times. We support you, the hardworking characters of Calgary and the rest of Alberta that's coming your way on Friday. Well, what's it like to be back on the ice with teammates after almost three months away? We'll find out from Flames forward Dylan Dubé. He's coming up next. Pinder and Steinberg's underway on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Pinder and Steinberg continues on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Flames are
1: back on the ice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Phase two of the uh, NHL's restart plan is underway, and that means Flames in Flames jerseys on the ice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. They're small groups, but it's a step. Welcome back to the program. Pat Steinberg along with you on this Wednesday afternoon. And one of those gentlemen on the ice is Flames forward Dylan Dubé, who we have not caught up with on afternoon since this whole thing started. Mr. Dubé, how are you, my man? What's going on?
4: I'm good. I'm doing really well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, exciting to get back. I think it's something we've been looking forward to, and even know something for everyone to talk about. So I think it's nice that we got a, some different news that's going around, and I think it's been good for everyone. How are you guys doing? Doing
1: all right. It's been uh, huh? it's been an interesting few months without hockey and without sports, but it feels like things are are starting to move in the right direction. So we're pretty fired up too. I would imagine. Uh, I would imagine it's good to have news and and to kind of be working towards something for for you as well because for the longest time you, you didn't really know what you were working towards right
4: yeah for sure I think uh I think the whole time it was up in the air and your <laughs> a couple days you you know is you know didn't think you were playing then the next couple days you thought you were playing it was it was all over the place at the start and I think this last month we've narrowed it down a lot and and they're starting to get ready to go. And obviously now that everyone knows um, that teams are, well, I guess teams started a little bit earlier than us, but we were Friday Friday for first ice time. And then uh, um, after that, it's still a little worried that that something might happen, but we're on the right track right now. And it's really good mentally for the guys just to kind of have that one goal of getting back and getting ready for the playoffs. So what has it been like
1: being back on the ice? I take us through the few sessions that you've been through so far.
4: Uh, it's been good. I think I was a little rusty at the start. Uh, I think it was a little a little different, though. I think I was kind of ready for it. It felt like the year wasn't over. So it felt like those three months went by really fast. But like usually when you're in the summer, you get away from the game mentally. I feel like it kind of just stayed in it the whole time. So I felt a lot sharper than I thought I would. I think... Uh, my head was in it more than my body. I think my body was a little slow and a little rusty, but overall i felt I felt good and you know I felt feel like now that we've been on a couple more times and starting to get back in the swing of things
1: so it's been you uh Geo's been out there, Jankowski, Phillips. who am I missing in terms of been out there with you Stone? am I missing anybody
4: so that's it so far there's that would be five of us, I believe. So what is the?
1: Like, what have you guys been doing? What? Uh, what? What are the? Like, are you are you going through drills? Are you just skating? I'm I'm curious as to what the actual on ice sessions have been like.
4: Uh, we just been kind of looking up skill drills, and you know we're so used to to running proxies, and we kind of just take our time with reps, but we do some five man drills together and just run normal practice we can. But we always kind of start off with some skill and edge work and then build towards a more normal practice towards the end. We all kind of just come in with um, some ideas of what we do. We kind of stick to that, uh, to the plan. Like we'll, we'll uh, kind of just build off of each practice from there.
1: So can you get any, I know that you can't have any contact with the coaching staff, but can you get any type of direction in terms of, Hey, here are some things you could be working on or is it all, is it all from you guys?
4: yeah i haven't heard if we can or not i don't know we've kind of just been doing it on ours we've been more worried about our skill set and, and skill drills and stuff like that not as much systems or right or so like that i think it's just more of they want us to get our our skills back and yeah i'm, I'm not too sure if they'll be implemented later but if we're allowed to but so far we've just been kind of worried about our personal games because the, the systems are the easy part
1: how uh how's your captain looking is he uh looking like he hasn't missed a beat
4: he looks good yeah i was surprised he looks really good he uh he came out there and you know obviously he was he was working hard and he was pushing the practice and he's coming up with stuff to do so it's awesome to to be out there with him and uh, and to be around him in the rink and it's a, it's a good guy to model yourself after so it's really nice to to be around him uh you know every day.
1: Dylan Dubay's with us of the Calgary Flames. You you've been here throughout this whole pause, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, I have.
1: So, what what have you been doing from a fitness standpoint prior to being able to get back on the ice? What have you been doing to, to stay fresh and and do your best to stay in shape? What uh, what has kept you busy in that regard?
4: Well, yeah, I I've been working out. I think like even since last Friday, like whenever we started the day it was I was last Thursday, we had our first workout or whatever. But like I have all the exact same stuff we kind of have in the Sal Dome, so I've been able to do the the full on workouts, full as hard as I could training. So that was really big for me. Um, so I didn't miss a, a step in that. But um you know, jumping on the ice, I, I felt a little different with my cardio. Like all the guys probably said here a million times, it's it's a lot different from you know running hills, doing everything till you get on the ice, and then mm-hmm. you know, after that, I would just. I kind of just relax most the day. Like there's not much going on like, I think towards the end I started rollerblading a lot more and and stuff like that but you know it was it was really long days the days carried on for, for a while I always tried to wake up at a decent time to to do it because when you're sitting around all day and you work out at two or three o'clock you're not getting the most out of it so you always work out in the mornings and then and I just loaf around for the rest of the day. It's not much. Honestly, I don't have much for you on that one. Do you like? Was it
1: uh, Was it hard to at times be motivated? Like when you're not sure if the league is coming back, and you're like, "Well, I got to stay in shape," and I uh, like this is my profession. Like, what? What was? Was there a mental battle at times in in making sure you got your workouts in?
4: Yeah, I, I think the mental battle is just feeling like i was getting like out of shape and and we're like because when you're done, like I'd be done probably around. Twelve o'clock every day, so that's a long time rest of your day. So it feels like you're sitting around for ten hours, not doing anything. You just feel like guilty with yourself, kind of like the whole time. Like you're not, you know, pushing yourself. Like when you're in the summer, you're you're working out till twelve. You're not leaving till two thirty three from the edge. You come home, you're exhausted, and, and you have your nap. And by then it's dinner time. So like by those times, you're, you are feel like you're doing a lot more in the day. And like we're, I'm still working out, shooting pucks, but just you get done so early that it's really hard mentally just sitting around for 10 hours a day. You just kind of feel guilty about yourself, but it's, uh, you can't do anything else. Just following the protocols. And, and, you know, obviously you want to get the numbers down with the virus and hopefully everyone else is still doing that.
1: The, uh, have you like, do you, have you talked to other guys? Have there been kind of similar, similar mental battles with, with teammates and other guys that you've spoken to who are in the same situation?
4: Yeah, for sure. I think everyone was going through it. I think you just got used to that as normal life. I think your, your, your mind adapted to it. And for me, it, towards the end, like before I went into the dome, I was actually like, eh. I was like, this is great. I'm starting to get used to it. It, it feels really good. And now that I have been back in the dome for, for a very short time, it, I couldn't believe even, I couldn't even imagine going back to that. So it's just something yeah. adapting and a lot of guys, we're kind of at that same stage where they just felt like normal life. And now getting back to somewhat normalized, this canyon. Even- can't even fathom going back to that. It was it was it was very hard on a lot of guys.
1: I, ca- I can imagine. Dylan Dubé, is with us of the Calgary Flames. So wh- where are you? Like right now, we know that July 10th is the target date for a training camp to start, and there are some guys in the city, and, and guys are are gradually coming back to their NHL cities. Uh, is it like is it a, a feeling of anticipation? Are you excited? Are you still in wait and see mode? Just personally, how are you feeling about the league's seeming? Uh, to be closer to finalizing a return plan here
4: yeah no i'm i'm fully engaged in this i'm ready to go i uh you know we're not taking it lightly anymore for the guys who are here and i know the guys who around here are doing the same stuff we're doing now and and you know trying to to keep up with that same program as we're on but for us at the rink it's we're ready to go like a, this is a huge opportunity for us to to be able to get ready for it and be our absolute best in their in first game that we get to play. So for us, we're we have no other option but to think it's it's going to happen because we need to get ready. Um, you know, even I don't know the I don't know the odds, but even say it's 50-50, we have to go 100% all all in on on playing for ourselves just so we're ready to go if it does come to that.
1: Any from what you've heard about how it's going to go? Or, and and each guy is different. I think every individual player will have their, their own opinion on it. Uh, any worries or reservations? Or are you feeling pretty good about what the restart plan is going to look like here?
4: Yeah, honestly, I'm not uh, 100% sure on everything. I've been on all the calls and, and you know, talked to the tree and stuff about it. But there's just, um, you know, so many different ones. But I think... Uh, Whatever they throw at us, I think we'll be ready for it. No matter what happens, it's going to be a, a very hard playoffs to win. So I think for for me personally, I I I don't know how anyone says I, I could care less what they throw at us. I just want to play in whatever format it goes to, I just want to be able to, to compete in the playoffs.
1: Have you? And so you've been on all the calls, yeah? Hey? You've been uh, pretty engaged in this whole thing.
4: Ah, uh, like just with our team, like on the calls with our team. Okay. I've done the yeah like yeah the, the p a ones you know I was either golfing or doing something like that now that the course is open, but yeah like it's just you kind of go on our calls and the guys who are you know on on the p a like for our team will just transfer it all over to us, so it's really nice Like we get to know everything, but it it changes quick and you know they're working their best to to be able to make sure it's the safest possible thing, and they're going over all their options, so uh you know I'm really happy with the the, the way they're going forward with this so
1: it's been mostly uh, am i right in saying it's been mostly since michael Backlund went back to sweden it's been mostly hammock and kachuk who have been the guys on the the pa calls
4: yeah i would say so uh, yeah they're they're always on it they're letting us know kind of what's going on
1: okay are you like where, where are you in terms of, Like, this is going to be different in I know that there's no perfect way to restart the season and and amidst all of what's going on, there's, there's no 100% ideal plan, but it sure does seem like you're on board with, Hey, things have to be different. Things are going to be different. And, and you kind of have to embrace things being different in a situation like this. Would that be accurate?
4: For sure. I think we can almost look at it. That this will never happen again. Well, I hope not. Um, So, I know, because playing this will definitely be a different experience and I think it's going to be three months out of of our lives that will be something different and being locked down in a hotel might be pretty fun with your team like honestly it might be a, (laughs) a good time being around them the whole time like once you're in a hotel long enough and like you're not traveling around on a plane I feel like we'll get more settled in than we think and and I think it'll be a lot of fun just to be around the team for that while but then again I'm I'm a young 21-year-old, and there's guys with families, and I couldn't yeah. imagine how hard it would be for them. So I'm on a completely different spectrum of a lot of guys. I think for me, it's, you know, I don't have anything to lose. I, I can pack up and, go, and <laughs> go on my own way, so it's no problem. But um, for me, I, I'm excited for whatever gets thrown at us.
1: We're chatting with Dylan Dubey of the Calgary Flames. How were you feeling about the group prior to the break? March 8th was the last time you played a game, so it's been more than three months since you've been on the ice for, for actual action. How were you feeling though? If you can remember that far back, how are you feeling about the group and, and how the team was trending?
4: Yeah, I just, it was a while ago. I think, uh, I think for us, it was, it was good. We had that really good road trip um, against all those top teams and we did really well. We let that one in Nashville get away from us, but just to be able to be in that game and, and compete with them and then beat Boston and, then, and florida and dm team but like the road trip that we had i think after that we got a lot of confidence i think we we're just going to keep going from there and even that vegas game the last game we played we lost but i think you guys can agree that to battle back in that game against a team like that showed yep. that we we're we we're becoming ready for the playoffs and that goal doesn't doesn't happen again like that's a that's a pretty fluky one to go in and um, you know, maybe it goes overtime. Maybe they win. It doesn't matter. It just showed coming back at that point. It showed that we were kind of ready to to make that push and and be a relentless team. When you know, if we go down or go up, I think it was a really good uh, game for us to to finish on.
1: So, what are the keys to making sure that you can? I mean, obviously, momentum's gone. Everybody's starting on even footing once things get back going again. But what are the keys for you as a group to make sure and you can continue to? play the way you were playing prior to the pause
4: um i think uh, yeah i don't know it's gonna be hard. i think for us i think just these practices and and you know the workouts hard as we can go it's gonna be completely different there's gonna be no guy who is gonna be in in game shape we're all gonna be in the same boat so i think from you know game i think it's just mentally being ready like knowing we are ready at the point we were in our last couple games and just bringing that over from a mental standpoint, because physically it's it's impossible for someone to get right into playoff mode for for game one, and I think for us it's just going to be that big mental factor that we're ready for this, and, and we can make a big run for it. Well,
1: it's funny because, I mean, I'm going to ask you about the team that you're going to play. I mean, you don't really know a whole lot about the Jets. You you didn't play in the game, that the, the one game that they played against one another going back to October. So you've got one game that these two teams played with one another in an outdoor game in a neutral site. And now all of a sudden, five games against one another to determine who's going to the playoffs. What, what do you know about the Jets? And, and what do you know about how difficult that five-game series
3: might be?
4: Yeah, yeah. For me, like you said, I didn't I didn't play against them this year, so it's hard hard to tell. They're they're a fast team. They've got some um very skilled forwards as as everyone knows. So I think for us it's gonna be an exciting it's gonna be a really quick series and uh and you know, the, the guys we have on the front end, I think it's it's gonna be back and forth a lot, but um it's crazy. Five game series, it's gonna be fun. I think. Mean, know every game is important in a seven game so i can't even imagine how how desperate both teams are are going to be in this so i think it's going to be really exciting and it uh you know it's like just breaking into the playoffs from there but for us it'll feel like that's the first round of playoffs and and i think it's going to be exciting it's going to be a lot harder to win it this year just from what what everyone's gone through and there's going to be some more games uh for normal playoff hockey. So it's going to be exciting. How, uh,
1: how are you feeling about your game individually prior to the pause? Were you feeling pretty good about things?
4: Yeah, I was. I think so. I think our, our line went on a little bit of a, a drought there for a little bit, then I think the last game in Florida was probably one of our best games in the line. Um, Luke scored in that game. And then we came back. I don't know if we had a, a home game for that, but then our Vegas game, we were really good together in the second and third. Um, you know when our lines go on that's when i'm playing my best hockey so i think um when we're together we need to be a you know a big separation for for our team to be able to be the kind of the underdogs a little bit i think that's usually how it works the third and fourth lines and playoffs are are kind of the the guys who will you know get the ones that people don't expect and teams don't expect so i think we need to be really good and, and kind of take another step for these playoffs for the team.
1: You talk about your line with uh, Derek Ryan and and Milan Lucic, and tell tell me specifically because I, I know that prior to everything shutting down, there there was a little bit made of this. But you know, Milan has said nothing but good things about you, and and talked about kind of taking you under his wing, and and you've talked a lot about how important he's been. Tell us a little bit more about that, and and how big Lucic has been for you over the last number of months.
4: He's been great. It, it's I can't can't say enough. Like for you know, since day one, like being on the bench with him, just my first game, I kind of calmed me down a little bit. And you know, it doesn't help going into your first game and playing with Lucic. Just he's a you know he's pretty nerve wracking to be around if you don't know him. I think you guys can probably <laughs> yeah agree with that. The first time you met him, like you just you don't know what kind of guy he's gonna be. And then just once you're on the bench, you you kind of talk differently. Like you you need to talk more. You're not nervous. You're kind of you don't feel like a rookie as much. So I think being around him on there and being probably four or five games on the bench, we got really close. And I think just when he kind of realized that, you know, we could play together and with Doc, I think we bonded a lot more and we started going out for dinners together. And I think the, the stuff he did for me was, was huge. Just a guy who's done everything and won the Stanley cup, you know, played on a team like Boston and, and, been around the best player in the world and, and and stuff like that i think he's been he's been on a couple teams and been around a lot of guys in the league so i think just learning from him and learning kind of what you know makes someone be around the league for that long i think that's huge for me
1: have you uh have you been like you've been out golfing i uh, you've already said that like how many times you've been on the course at this point
4: so i've i think i've played I think I've been this week. I've been Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I think I've already okay. been out. So yeah, like I've been golfing probably four times a week. And let me—I'm t- getting worse. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. It's painful. I just, i don't want to play anymore.
1: Are you—are you on the course <laughs> right now, or like we're, we're not interrupting no, a game? Uh, no,
4: I'm, I'm back at home. But okay. I was, uh, i didn't play today. I took today off. I was pretty. I went to Canadascas yesterday with uh, Jane Cohen Phillips. So that was a that was a really long day, but it's unbelievable. But I think that was probably I set a record for probably the highest I've ever shot in my life. So I don't know what's going on. I thought I'd be getting better at this point.
1: <laughs> That's too bad. Well, I mean, you, you still got you still got some time to to figure it out. Uh, how just uh, and and just before we let you go, you you talked about kind of what your days were like. Any uh, any any tips for those who are still at home and having to stay at home? You got any tips for? The, you you had ten hours after your workout to to kill and loaf around. What uh, what got you through, and what has been getting you through?
4: I think just keeping contact with people, whether FaceTime for me is video games. I think when you're you know I feeling a little bit mentally, I think I just get on get on something right away and, and talk to someone, communicate. I think when you know you, you talk to to someone that you can relate with and you have a relationship with I think it helps because you know you're not going to talk about how the world's different how you want things to get back to normal I think you got to be around your family and people that you can have meaningful conversations with so it's not kind of the the same old conversations with COVID I think you need to kind of move on from that you know if you follow follow the rules still but I think it's kind of more talking about you know normal things in life again and be able to kind of clear it mentally Nice.
1: I like that. That's a good tip. Dylan, appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Uh, It's good to see you back on the ice, and uh, hopefully we'll see everybody back on the ice here in training camp in the next few weeks. Thanks for doing this this afternoon.
4: That sounds great. Take
1: care. Dylan Dubé of the Calgary Flames on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. I'll tell you what, when that line with him, Ryan, and Lucic is going, and you've got Kachuk, Manchapani, and Backlund playing the way they've been playing, if that gives the Flames a pretty formidable middle six forward group. And it it seemed like maybe that top line with Gaudreau Lindholm and Monaghan was starting to round closer into form prior to the break. Uh, That's, that's a pretty, when, when all those lines are rolling, they can be a pretty effective forward group and, Obviously, if they're going to have any success in the playoffs, that's what's going to have to happen. But I like the way things were tra- trending with Lucic and Dubay and Ryan on that line. So good to catch up with Dylan and uh, good to see some of the Flames back on the ice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Thanks to uh, the Flames for setting that up. Thanks to Dylan to doing that uh, for doing that. Rather, we're live in our downtown studios here at Sportsnet 960. The Fan. It's Pinder and Steinberg rolling on next here on Sportsnet 960.
0: Back to Pinder and Steinberg. Calgary Sports Talk in the afternoon. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Dylan Dubé turning into uh, one of the easiest guys to chat with on the Calgary Flames. Love that guy. Love the way things are trending with that guy. Just another example of a non-first round pick uh, in the last few drafts. Turned into a fide NHLer. Connor, when you take a look at Dubé... When you take a look at Rasmus Anderson, Oliver Shillington, Andrew Mangipani, there's four players right off the top of my head that are all full-time NHLers right now and and guys that they did not get in the first round. Three of those guys are second-round picks, and one of them is a sixth-round pick. I mean, you're, you're talking about a pretty, a pretty solid track record of turning later-round, not top-of-the-draft picks into NHLers. I don't know if I'm missing anybody else in terms of the... Um, later rounds that have been able to do that. I mean, Adam Fox is a full-time NHLer too and he's a former third-round pick just not in the organization anymore. It's uh it's been a pretty good run in that regard and you've got Matthew Phillips who's knocking on the mm-hmm. door. Uh Dubé just another example of of some solid. Craig Conroy told us about it uh, months ago. Pinder was still on the show when Conroy was on with us one time and and talked about how with this management group with Triliving, Conroy, Pascal, the the three guys that have been kind of the the staples of this management crew and, and Chris Snow now is an AGM as well. Um, th- that's been kind of the, the four people that have worked through all these drafts and just how with their scouting staff, they have really put an increased focus on making sure that every count, uh, every, every pick rather is counted the same. And they put as much resource into their first round pick as they do in their seventh round pick. and And I would suggest that it's been paying off pretty well here.
2: Yeah, and it's one thing we notice when we go back and do the redrafts is how many of the great teams of whatever era it might be that we're looking at really nailed quite a few late-round picks and turned those draft years into two and three productive NHL players. That's, especially in a salary cap world, that is how you go about building championship teams. And uh, I think there are a few more coming. Like you said, uh, with Matthew Phillips, who's been working with the guys here in Calgary, Um, I I think expectations are relatively high for some people uh, for Dustin Wolf, a seventh round pick, even uh, Josh Nodler, the um, the the center they took in the the fifth round last year, he's getting an invite to the U S world junior selection camp. Like this is a, this is an organization that's done pretty well in the back part of drafts, And when you, when you, do that, it really helps with roster construction and you can go out and spend a little bit more money when you have some guys on smaller contracts having contributions to the NHL level.
1: Adam Rozichka is a fourth round pick. He's a full-time pro now in the American League um Emilio Peterson's turned into a really uh nice prospect for the team he's a sixth round pick Dimitri Zavgorodny is is having mm-hmm. was having another really good season in the queue you mentioned Wolf and Nodler who are both going to the U.S. World Junior Camp this summer uh like before the break Zavgorodny had 67 and 40 with uh Rimouski, and so like the yeah and, and not all those guys are going to turn into NHLers I'm not suggesting that it's just they're all guys that aren't throwaways they're all guys you're like okay this seventh round pick i'm interested in seeing where they're going so yeah it's been a it's been a nice run before we hit the break um i do want to uh i got to pat myself on the back client i'm growing up i'm growing up in front of your eyes dad oh. um i uh i have notoriously been bad at packing lunches for myself um mm-hmm. i've just I, i've never been good at it um right. at and the, the
2: core shopping mall thanks you
1: yes absolutely uh down here they do and and at the saddledome um the cafeteria was just the the most incredible prices ever but the cafeteria oh. thanks me uh i miss you ruthie uh it's been far too long since i've seen uh ruthie's smiling face at uh, the the cafeteria at the saddledome um i've just been poor at bringing lunches well here we are in pandemic money's a little bit tighter I, uh, for the first time I've brought lunch and it's, I I think I can get on board with that. I bought, I I really enjoy the, I I enjoy cold chicken. And when you do the rotisserie chicken and you eat it cold, I've always been a fan. So on Monday when I went shopping, I bought a a rotisserie chicken from co-op. I portioned it. Uh, I have them in Rubbermaid containers. Uh, I brought some vegetables with me. I, I actually prepared myself a lunch and I've got a lunch prepared for tomorrow I'm growing up, Klein. I'm,
2: wow, I'm... look at you. I'm I'm very impressed. Great work. Um, and the, there's not even sarcasm. I mean, there may be a little bit, but there, there's not a ton of No, you of can sarcasm have a lot
1: of sarcasm in there.
2: Um, but no, that that, that is a, a very important step to make. Now, I, I do, while we're on this subject, I do need an update on the salt shake. No salt
1: shake. No. no,
2: I actually okay.
1: after I got home from the grocery store last night, uh, after the shift ended at two AM, I um I cut myself a cucumber, I quartered it, and I poured the salt out of the box again. So okay, one step at a time, Klein.
2: Okay. Okay. I'm just, look, I, I'm just, while we, were, while we were growing as human beings, I was wondering how, how much progress was made. So uh, I'm, I'm happy steps. you uh, have made some strides, but, but still some work to be done.
1: Absolutely. You know what? You got to strive for something. You got to keep things on your checklist so that you have something to keep you motivated. Uh, I wanted to just give you that update more than anybody else. Uh, hey, do we do we have a runaway for the Norris Trophy this year in the NHL? And time permitting, what about the Calder Trophy? We're going to continue diving into some NHL year-end awards around the corner. How about that Norris Trophy? That's next as we move into hour two of Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet nine sixty The Fan.
0: Pinder and Steinberg in the afternoon, Sportsnet nine sixty The Fan.
1: Okay, who should win the Norris Trophy this season? And I don't think I've got a hot take on this one. I think the Norris Trophy should go to John Carlson. I really do. I don't think that's a hot take because he is the NHL's leading scorer among defensemen and and by a fairly significant margin, too. Welcome back to the program. It's Pat Steinberg, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon along with you as we continue diving into our year-end NHL awards. And... NHL regular season is officially deemed complete, so we can do this. Today, the Norris Trophy for sure. And if there's time, the Calder Trophy as well. We'll see how in-depth this Norris Trophy conversation gets. And if we can't get to the Calder, we'll push that to another day. Uh, I I really do think Carlson should win the Norris, guys. Uh, He's more than a point per game on the blue line, which in and of itself, is a pretty impressive accomplishment. Very impressive accomplishment. It's not like he has done that all on the back of power play points. He also is the leading NHL defenseman at even strength with 49 points. He's got 75 points overall. He's playing almost 25 minutes a game. Uh, Listen to this. This is Brendan Dillon, who joined Pinder and uh, Will yesterday on the morning show, newly new member of the Washington Capitals. I mean, it feels like ages ago he was traded there, but he's only played 10 with the Caps. Uh he goes from San Jose where he was playing with Carlson and Burns to Washington where now he's a teammate of John Carlson. Here's what Brendan Dillon had to say about his new teammate yesterday morning.
5: I've been very lucky over the last few years, uh you know, of my kind of ever evolving, ever changing NHL career to to play with an Eric Carlson as my partner Brent Burns before that as my partner and and now to come to Wash and be able to play with a guy like John Carlson Um, you know we're talking about one of the best D-men in the world right here if not the best this year for sure Um, a guy who plays big minutes, plays against other teams, top lines, can move pucks like no other Um, it's a staple on you know debatably one of the best power play units in the league Um, a guy who again you know he does kind of fly under the radar a little bit more until you really get a chance to see him and and as he stated being in a different conference than him for my whole career up until now um, when you actually get on the ice and practice with him and, and see how he carries himself and um, you know, you really do do just realize how special a player he is, and and a big reason why they won a Stanley Cup here a year and a half ago, two years ago.
1: Seventy five points in sixty nine games for John Carlson. He's got a ten point edge on the second leading defense scorer in the NHL. Look, I I don't think that points should be the be all and end all for a Norris Trophy. I really don't. But what Carlson is doing, playing 25 minutes a game, playing in all situations, we're not talking about the most incredible uh, underlying advanced numbers of all time, but they're not bad. Uh, But when you can put up points like that, when you can do it at even strength like he's doing, like, again, we're talking about 49 even strength points to go on to, to, to be factored into those 75 points. Nobody has more even strength points among defensemen in the NHL. That's my case for John Carlson for the Norris Trophy. Do I think he's the best defenseman in the world? No. Do I think he's having the best season as a defenseman in the NHL this season? Yes. Or had the best season as an NHL defenseman this season? Yeah, I do. And that's why I think he should win the Norris. That's where I am. Gentlemen, are you for or against John Carlson as uh, as the Norris Trophy winner?
2: Uh, I, I think John Carlson had a, a tremendous season and, and all the accolades that you point to uh, just an, an incredible year. Uh, 1.09 points per game, uh, I think, is the best since 93, 94. And there have been pretty good defensemen uh, in that time. But I have him finishing second uh, behind one Roman Yossi. When you look at um, even strength points, Yosi seven back and... and when it's not that it's super close, but when it's that close, um, and Yossi I think is better in his own end than Carlson, I, I give the edge to, to Roman Yossi. It is very close, and John Carlson was excellent this season, of course. But I, I just think Yossi it's close enough offensively that the the edge in defense gives Yossi the edge for me. So I have Yossi one, Carlson two, and then a rather substantial gap for third.
1: I, I and and before before you before you give your tie breaking vote or maybe not maybe you've got somebody else logo um but before before you go logo I just I I I don't I don't like Roman Yossi is an outstanding defenseman and he's having a hell of a year and I I do think those are the two. But you go take a look at the underlying numbers. We're we're not talking about significantly better for Yossi than we are for Carlson. Uh both guys are about even in terms of their possession numbers um based on their their zone starts. And and Yossi's having a great year. He really is. And I'm not ta- taking anything he'd be he'd be number two on my ballot, but I just think that the um the defensive downfall thing that goes to Carlson again. You don't play 25 minutes a night with being bad defensively. And can you make the argument that Yossi's better defensively? Sure, you can. But I don't think it's this massive gap. It's the same. Carlson gets knocked with the same stuff that t- the other Carlson with a K gets knocked for, and that is because they put up a lot of points and because they spend a lot of time on the attack and because they they can be a little bit more high risk. There seems to be what I believe is a a false narrative that they're poor defensively. And I don't believe I, I don't believe it. I don't buy into it with John Carlson. I don't buy into it with Eric Carlson. And I think he's getting unfairly docked for that stuff. I'm not saying you're saying that, Klein. I'm just saying the the conversations at times surrounding him, he can get unfairly docked on that stuff. I, mm. I don't. I I really don't think there's a massive gap between how good defensively Yossi is and how good Carlson is. They're playing the same amount of time against the same quality players. I, I, I just don't see it the same way, but um, I, and I think some guys get unfairly uh, knocked for putting up points and, and looking a little bit more high risk than, than others do. Uh, so that would be my rebuttal for you, my friend.
2: Yeah, and uh, again, I, I don't want this to come across as me saying that Carlson is poor in his own end because I, I don't believe that. And I, I did look at the numbers uh, for Carlson and admittedly, it was a little better than I thought. Um, but I, I, I'm still not one of those ones who thinks just because he's putting up a, a great deal of points that it means he's awful in his own zone. I think that is uh, something that is um, a, a little lazy in hockey analysis these days, as you pointed out. But I, I just think Yossi is almost as effective offensively and is a, a touch better in his own end. Mm-hmm. That's not saying Carlson isn't good. It's just saying that Yossi is good. So I just I give the edge to to Yossi just by a hair.
1: So it would be for you it would be one yossi to carlson yeah and and for me it would be reverse but again very close and if yossi were to win it i'd have no problem with it um and it wouldn't be like if if they were to give it to him kind of like you know how they gave drew dowdy the norris like well he's never won one before this is his year i don't think i don't think dowdy had much of a case for the norris that year i really don't i thought eric carlson was so significantly better than dowdy that than that that year that there's no way Doughty should have won that norris but that's another conversation this is not that. If Yossi were to win this, and and even a small part of it were to be the Lifetime Achievement Award, I don't think that's wrong because Yossi is having an elite season, maybe the best of his career and it's very, very close between Carlson and and Yossi in terms of who I believe the best defenseman in the league has been this year. So I, I, I think if Yossi were to win it, it would be deserving this year, and it would also be a nice kind of tip of the cap for how long this guy has been an elite and, and somewhat underrated defenseman. Logo, which way are you going for your number one vote vote for the Norris?
3: Uh, Carlson would be my vote for the for the Norris. Uh, 75 points in 69 games, and the tear that he he started the season on was was impressive and I mean we can always get into the discussion of whether or not there should be a separate award for best defenseman and highest scoring defenseman and right. then you can kind of separate the two and that's an interesting conversation that I think is worthwhile in having because it separates a lot of the issues that we've discussed in this segment so far um but for me Carlson uh, gets it uh, it's actually been a, a slow uh, not a slow progression but a a pretty notable one for Carlson over the last few years a uh, looking into this a bit more, seeing that he was at 68 points, he cracked 70 points last season, and and now to be at 75, I mean, to do that year after year, I've never really thought of Carlson in the likes of, you know, Brent Burns or Eric Carlson or anything like that. Uh, So I, I think for me, he was the choice. And, I mean, to go with 26 penalty minutes as a guy playing on a number one pair for a pretty good contending team in the Eastern Conference, he gets it there for me too. Who, uh, if
1: if you were to be choosing three finalists, who would round it out for you? Because would would your two be Yossi as well? Logo.
3: Yeah, yeah, Yosi's my two.
1: So I, I think we'd be fine if either one of these guys won. Like if if Carlson won for you, I don't think you're going to be sitting here calling it a Travis decline. The same way, if if no. Yossi were to win, I'm not going to sit here and say that Carlson was robbed. Yossi is trash. Right. Uh, both guys are are 100 deserving, and and the gap is very small between them this year. Who would you, Who would your number three be? I, I'm I, I'm curious if mine is off the board for you guys or not. But you guys go first. See if I am uh, see if I'm off the board or not. Who would Who would be your number three, Kleiner?
2: Uh, my number three would be uh, Victor Hedman. Okay. Uh, someone who the the underlying numbers uh, look pretty all right and also again another one who can put up some points um 10 back of yossi in the, the points category and just overall one of the the best or one of the best teams in the nhl so I, I think uh victor hedman would get the the third nod but again there is a rather large uh canyon between uh one and two and number three this year
3: logo uh, alex petrangelo was my three both very strong yeah. um
1: i uh i'm going with shea theodore Shea Theodore is is having one of the most, I think, underappreciated elite seasons in the NHL, or was having in the NHL. Among regular defensemen, nobody in the league had a higher possession rate this year than Shea Theodore. He was closing in on 60% for his uh, 5-on-5 possession rate, which is bonkers. 58.5 is where Shea Theodore was uh, for his possession rate. And we're talking about a guy who had 46 points in 71 games shea theodore is an offensive driver like that guy again you know i think mean he's he's probably going to be one of those guys throughout his career who might get knocked for the why he's not as good defensive fair enough but this guy is an offensive driver and he is one of the most underappreciated defensemen in the nhl right now he's on one of the best contracts in the nhl going forward too like i do think carlson and yossi are in a class of their own but I, uh, and I, I think Petrangelo and Hedman are both really strong candidates as well, but I lean, uh, I, I lean Shea Theodore, and, and I, I hope that he gets, I don't think he'll be one of the three finalists, but I hope that when we get the final vote tabulations, whenever they hand out the NHL awards, I'm, I'm hoping that we see Shea Theodore in, in kind of that 4-5 rank and, and see if he got some love because he's having a heck of a year and he's turned himself into a really nice defenseman.
2: Yeah, there are certainly some liabilities in his own end. But when you have the puck 60% of the time, uh, you, you tend to not have to worry about that quite as much. So, no, he's uh, he, he's rounding into one of the better defensemen in the NHL. And this has been very much a, a breakout season for him. And as you mentioned, uh, a player that some of the underlying numbers just absolutely adore. So, no, I, there's, I don't think there's any, there's certainly nothing wrong with Petrangelo. And there's not, uh, nothing wrong with a, a shade Theodore pick as well
1: couple of texts here at 960960. Uh John Carlson definitely the unanimous Norris winner for me. His team is also elite elite whereas Nashville's barely a playoff team. Um should that I, uh, I don't
2: focus on I don't focus on team stuff as much for for these ones. For MVP I get it, but for right. best defenseman uh I I don't really care how your team's doing.
1: And it didn't really come into my thought process either did that factor in for you at all, logo?
3: No, not uh, not as much for me. Because it's more of the role you play and your your impact uh, on a defensive, you know, as far as being a number a true number one and that sort of stuff factors into it more for me than than team. I uh, and I I honestly don't know which way this this one's gonna go in terms of voting.
1: Uh, you know, I Carlson from a point standpoint makes a, a really good case, and and him being in the Eastern time zone might help him a little bit. Um, but I, I honestly don't know which, like, I don't know how this vote's going to go. And, and sometimes you have a pretty good feel like last year, it was almost a guarantee that Gio was going to win the Norris trophy going into those awards. I, I, I would have been stunned if Giordano didn't win last year. Um, just because it seemed like there was so much buzz for it all season, all season long, I don't know if it's going to be a runaway for Carlson when he ends up when we end up getting to the NHL awards. I really don't know which way this ends up going because I do think there's a little bit of that Roman Yossi's been good for a long time. He's never won one before. This might be the year for him. I wonder if that plays into it. Um, you can debate whether or not it should play into it, but I wonder if it does. And I, uh, I does anybody have a feel as to which way this is going to go? Because I'm kind of. Uh, I'm I'm very unsure in that regard.
2: Yeah, I, I I the more I read, the more I see leans for Carlson out there. Um but then I, I read some of the, the more in depth stats guys and they're saying Yossi. And so it's it's kind of going back and forth a, a little bit for me, but I, I do believe Carlson probably gets the nod on this one.
3: I for some reason I don't I I I can't give you an exact why to this. I feel like it'll be Carlson and it won't be close.
1: And it won't be close? No. And I mean, there's a lot of people. I remember leading up to the NHL Awards last year, I was doing an interview with Elliot Friedman where you could be closer to people than six feet. And uh, I remember talking to Elliot and and he said, yeah, there's been a little bit of a buzz and a groundswell that maybe Hedman's going to win it. And then when we, and then not to say that Elliot was wrong, it's just because he never is, but when you saw the voting you're like yeah maybe that groundswell wasn't as big as some people were making it out to be or, or what people were thinking the votes were going to be because geo won won an absolute landslide last year like it was not <clears> close <throat> once uh, a- at all um this reads can you really be seen as the best defenseman if your team sucks though i think the team success in the regular se- season was a factor of voting for geo and i i do think for some it plays in and and i'm not saying that's right or wrong just for me I don't put as much stock into that for this trophy specifically. I put more stock into, were you the best defenseman in the NHL this season? And I think Carlson was. Um,
2: yeah, how- I, it's, it's it's almost more of a challenge to be a defenseman on a bad team because it's so sloppy in front of you. So no, I I the, the only way I can see that factoring in is if you're on a better team, people are watching you more and people are paying more attention and there's just inherent bias toward what you've seen more of. So maybe I guess, but I... Honestly, and it didn't give that even a second of thought when I was looking into this one.
1: Pat, are you getting Shea Theodore confused with Shea Weber? Look, I am easily confused, and I get confused between months, dates, and subtracting numbers from one another. These are things that easily confuse me. But Shea Weber and Shea Theodore, I am not getting confused. I am talking about Shea Theodore, yeah. the defenseman of the Vegas Golden Knights, 24 years old, and on one of the best contracts in the nhl like i i think this guy will be a top five finalist for the Norris when it's all said and done i'd have him as my number three i also think weber deserves some consideration this year weber had a hell of a year in montreal uh the points weren't you know eye-catching but you know over a full season you probably would have been talking about somewhere in the 40 to 50 range for Weber in Montreal had a big bounce back here his underlying numbers are strong I think Weber deserves some some consideration too but I am talking about Theodore he's got five more years at 5.2 million dollars like this guy is going to be signed as a top pairing defenseman, a guy that's probably good for 50 to 60 points a year, who is an absolute offensive driving force on his team. And he signed for under $5.5 million for the next five years. They just got that guy. And and in a lot of ways, strong arm that guy into one of the best contracts in the NHL. So no, I am not getting Theodore mixed up with Shea Weber.
3: They also got him for next to nothing
1: yes that was a uh, well basically
3: expansion draft i believe it was didn't it say future considerations which was pretty much hey please don't take player x
1: they didn't want him they didn't want the golden knights to take other guys and so they're like well take uh take theodore instead and they gave them future considerations which we don't actually know what they are at this point and it could be nothing um but yeah, they're like, well, don't take Silverberg or, or don't take Josh Manson. Instead, take this Theodore guy, who, by the way, is a former first-round pick of the Ducks. Theodore is, turned again, much like William Carlson, much like, uh, apparently, everybody with the last name Carlson's good. Um, but William Carlson, Columbus was like, please, just take him. Don't take other players. Uh, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau, Florida, was like, please don't take other Take these guys. Uh, Shay Theodore, and I was like, oh, just take him instead. Vegas absolutely blew it out of the water with some of the guys that other teams didn't want, that, that other teams were happy to see them pick. It's incredible what these guys have turned into and how poor some of the asset management was on some of these other teams. I hope teams learn from how bad they botched the last expansion process. It's probably going to not be so nice for Seattle, but I hope teams learn from how things went last year. Just let, just let Seattle pluck a player from your roster. Don't worry about other guys because it turned out pretty good for the Vegas golden Knights. They've already been to a Stanley cup final. They're a Stanley cup contender for a third straight year. Like, Oh boy. Uh, that was, that was a absolute clinic from a few teams as to how not to run an expansion process for your team.
2: Yeah. But I'm, I'm already seeing some of the articles like, look, Everyone should learn from last time. Just let them pick a player, and then you put the list together for Team X. Ooh, don't want them taking that player though. So maybe you do make a deal. Like I can, I can see teams talking themselves into that again as we get closer to the process playing out.
1: What else we got? At nine six zero nine six zero, a couple of people saying uh, a very fair rebuttal um, <laughs> when I said that. Apparently, if your last name's Carlson, you're good. Uh, remember that goalie who played for the Flames? Not every Carlson is good. And then same text. Uh, Henrik Carlson may disagree with you, Pat. Yeah, it's a good Look, point. Look,
2: exceptions to every rule.
1: The Calgary Tower didn't uh, they didn't really catch on here in Calgary. Um, I'm with you, Pat. Super confused with COVID lockdown. Don't even know what day it is sometimes. Look, that that has been a factor, but I get confused by these things even in non-COVID times. Um, somebody throws out Zach Warensky's name as a Norris candidate, and I, I think that he'll get some votes. He's had a really good year. Um, I don't know if Kale McCarr is going to get votes. He's going to be one of the finalists for the nor- uh, for the Calder Trophy, which we will not get into today. We'll save that for another day. Um, but I don't think McCarr will be in the Norris running, although he has had a really good year and over a full season, he'd probably be right there with Yossi and, um, and Carlson for points. The one thing that McCarr has that neither Yossi nor, nor Carlson do is McCarr has been heavily sheltered. Both he and Quinn Hughes have been sheltered heavily this year. You take a look at their zone starts. They're both up over 60%, which is fine. They're rookie NHL defensemen. Like that's okay. It's just, they're not playing quite the same high impact minutes and in the difficult situations that Yossi and Carlson are playing.
2: No, I agree. It's not necessarily a knock when it comes to the, the Calder discussion that we'll have on another day. Uh, But when you're, working into best defenseman in the league territory, uh, I, I'm going to need that number to not start with a six.
1: Yeah. Um, Pat, did you mix up Theodore and Aginla, And that's why Iggy <laughs> didn't get the heart. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, Shea yeah. Theodore, who would have been like eight years old or less at the time. I think when, you uh, means
2: Jose Theodore.
1: Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Didn't pick up on that. I, I mixed up Shea Theodore and Jose Theodore. And that's why because I was clearly voting on the Hart trophy in the early two thousands and that's what happened. That's why Aginla got robbed because I mixed it up. No, Aginla got robbed because one guy in Montreal was petty and decided not to have Aginla on his ballot. Look, that's pretty impressive. Jose Theodore had a great year and deserved to be in the conversation. But to not have Jerome Aginla on your ballot in that year. And that's what robs him of winning the Hart Trophy is the most egregious and unforgivable bias that I've ever seen in my life. And I get it that every reporter is going to be more biased to the team they cover, not because they cheer for them, but because they watch them all the time. That's just natural. But to not have a Ginla on the ballot just so that Theodore could win that's unfor- That's so unforgivable, and it's still not because I'm in Calgary, just because I believe in these things being somewhat accurate, and I believe that these things should have some sort of oversight. That vote should have been thrown out. They should have taken that, crumpled it out, uh, crumpled it up, and put it in a shredder. And again, La Le- should have won the Hart Trophy. That that still gets gets in my craw today because there's no way that should have been allowed.
2: Ugh embarrassing yeah, it, it actually it took me a few years to to take awards voting seriously after that like i i went through a pretty big stretch where i i barely paid attention to any of the award stuff because like yeah it doesn't matter someone's just going to send in a screwy vote anyway oh
1: that is why the phwa decided to make their votes public like not that specifically but things like that are the reason why and i think it was the the right call for the phwa to make the votes transparent and you know yeah. so, so that if that happens again somebody can get instantly called out for it and look like a complete fool because that's
0: uh
2: yeah a, des- a des- much deserved public flogging
1: jose theodore was not better and more important than jerome McGinley that year i'm sorry
2: oh well at least you're over it
1: are you telling me there's not a single Edmonton media member that might leave McKinnon off the Hart ballot this year? <laughs> I really, because, like, I, I know most of the people who would vote in Edmonton, I know that they probably don't want to be publicly embarrassed. Like, I don't think Jason Greger is going to leave McKinnon off his ballot just so that Drysaddle or McDavid can win. They, they Like, McKinnon might be third, but he's not going to be on the ballot and getting no no ticks on his name. Of course not.
2: Right. Yeah, no, that's that. That's and it's it's exactly why they made these things transparent. Right. So, yeah, no, that's I don't think that's good as it would be hilarious. And if there were to be a market that would do it, probably that one. But I, I don't believe the the, the the media members there would do that.
1: Uh, on the morning show, Pinder says it doesn't matter if you make the playoffs to win Hart, heart, but other trophies, it does matter, like the Calder. I
2: don't think it should matter for Hart, but I I understand that it does, so I I tend to work that into my logic. I mean, Um,
1: if you're a last-place team, it's kind of hard to make the argument that that guy is more important to his team than a team that's in the the playoffs. I don't think it should be the be-all and end-all, though.
2: No, no, I, I don't think, oh, your team missed the playoffs? All right, well, we're just... It's not the best player who made the playoffs. It's the best player in the NHL. That being said, like Dylan Larkin shouldn't get any heart votes. But like I, I do think that there is uh, a bit of a balance there. Like the in baseball, they have the discussion about Mike Trout. Like he's been the best player in baseball for half a decade. He should have five MVPs by now. But there's a oh, well didn't make the playoffs. How valuable can you be? It's like. I, at some point, it's not their fault. Yeah. But I, I do understand where people come from on that.
1: You know another thing, and we can get into this maybe tomorrow. Another thing that are, bothers me, uh, a week from today, I believe. Uh, yeah, a week from today, they're going to be announcing the 2020 class for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, for all those people who are saying Jerome Ginla is not a first-ballot Hall of Famer, this is not the Calgary guy sitting here saying that he's a first-ballot Hall of Famer. This is the guy who watches hockey and knows that Jerome Ginla is top 16 all-time in NHL goals, that Jerome Ginla was one of the most devastating goal scorers for a one-decade span in this league, and for about three or four years was the most dominant player on the planet, a guy who took a team on his shoulders to a Stanley Cup final, a guy that had longevity scoring goals in this league, unlike many others have ever had, period, this era or otherwise, Yes, Jerome McGinley is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and anybody who suggests otherwise is not looking at the evidence. They just don't like the guy. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's for another day, though. A um, couple of other texts: nine six zero nine six zero. Better Jose, Theodore or Schwinnard? That's a tough one. I had the biggest. Crush on Jose Jose Schwinard, the uh, Canadian figure skater. Growing up, like the like she was, I was obsessed with Jose Schwinard growing up. Loved her, so I don't I don't know how to make oh, that. To I don't Google? know how to answer that question because Jose Theodore was a pretty good player too. Uh,
2: I'll go chouinard on this one. With yeah, you a, know a what, Google actually, search. it's
1: not much of a debate. I'm going to go Schwinard too. Yeah. Absolutely in love with her. Uh kind of like between the ages of eight and twelve. Like just bonkers eight-year-old crush. Uh that's a good way to finish off this segment. Uh, don't forget that uh don't forget that coming up on Friday, Klein, you and logo have some work to do each hour on the program. Each hour In the afternoon show each hour with pinder and will on the morning show we're giving away father's day prizes thanks to our friends at wild rose brewery a text to q will be given every hour and if you answer that text to q and you're the lucky winner you're going to be getting a 12 pack of beer from wild rose and a 50 dollars gift card to the tap room at the barracks um it's an awesome spot awesome beer and a pretty good prize to win for just texting in. That is all day on Friday. Happy Father's Day from Wild Rose Brewery, wishing you and yours health and safety during these challenging times. We support you, the hardworking characters of Calgary and the rest of Alberta. This is Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
0: Chef says he wants his own big voice intro. Well, I'm here to oblige. Sportsnet 960, The Fan is talking all things lacrosse with Calgary's own Jeff Snyder.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Man Crush Wednesdays with Jeff Snyder. Hi Snyder.
6: Hello Patrick. How are you today?
1: I'm good. I'm a little nervous talking to you, but that's that's pretty normal. Uh what are you doing right now?
6: I'm currently on the ninth of Holiday Country Hills once again. Like During my day. How
1: many how many times a week are you out right now?
6: Uh I'll go four this week. But uh normally, uh, you know, I'm two to three, I try to be. Okay. Uh, we're picking up a little bit so it's gonna slow down here, so but you um, well, I'm grateful. Grateful for the opportunity. It's a little way to go, but we're hanging in there.
1: Well, I uh, I'm I'm happy that you're uh, being active. You're getting your steps in. Uh, this uh, this makes me happy. You're you're not you're not walking the course, are you? Though, like you're you're clearly in a cart.
6: Not today. Since we've been allowed to get back into the gym, which is awesome. I was in uh, in with the Lowry boys this morning, getting the workout in, and uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been challenging.
1: We had a uh, we had a challenge here. We're like, how long is it going to be until Snyder drops the Lowry boys? And it was the within within two minutes, uh, within one minute actually. That's a new record, boys. Who, who won that? Uh, I think we both. I think we all win. To be perfectly honest.
4: <laughs> well, they're uh,
6: they're they they're, the, they're my cohort, man. I got my cohort. You know. Well, wow. so I'm playing with the boys.
1: I'm glad, and uh, I'm glad that you're able to uh, be out on the on the uh, on the course. Hey, uh, a couple of things I wanted your take on. Yeah, by the way, one lacrosse, one not lacrosse. There's been a lot of lot of bad publicity for Major League Baseball over the last number of weeks, and specifically the last week here we are in the midst of a pandemic the nba the nhl are figuring out how they're going to return and and you know money things and and bargaining things haven't really been an issue whereas here is major league baseball and their players they can't get out of their own way for the longest time and it seems like they finally wrapped their head around the fact that okay we're we're in the midst of a worldwide pandemic we can't let this stuff not allow us to play i just i i can't imagine how they how they would have been able to justify not playing if, if they could do it in a pandemic and then money reasons got in the way, that that would have been an absolutely devastating blow to the uh, public appeal of major league baseball.
6: Yeah, I I get that. And, you know, I also get that, you know, this is livelihood and jobs and guys negotiate contracts. And there's there's a lot of stake. You got to imagine being, you know, again, I like, like, let's put it into, into comparison. If we're working, a job that was paying you $150,000 a year and all of a sudden, you know, you had to go back and there's lots of, you know, there's lots at stake for the benefit of the organizations and, you know, and someone offered you 30 grand to play, you know, you'd probably battle a little bit. So I I think you got to put yourselves on both sides of the coin is that guys have been spending their entire lives. And granted, I get it. I get that it's that much money and and I understand, but I I think that there's also something to be said about, um, you know, there's precedent setting moving forward there's all sorts of different stuff. And I, and I agree. I I, I, like, you you know, you peel the layers back. Sure. Does it look bad? But you know, guys uh, in in terms of being on both sides of the coins, I think that there's arguments either way and I'm just hopeful that some sports come back and people start getting some opportunities to, to, you know, to enjoy uh, you know, the, the sport and, and, you know, there's something for people to take in and, and um, you know, ultimately I just, sports are going to change a ton do this entire thing and and you know i think we got to be a little empathetic to both sides i'm not meaning to you know to fence it but i i think that there are two sides two sides to the coin and i just really hope that um you know it, it, it becomes something that uh, uh you know that, that both sides can work out and, and get back to playing it sounds like the nhl stuff is going really positively i'm just hearing from some of the guys and you know it's uh uh it's um you know it's one of those things where i think you just gotta you know we, there's no playbook for this thing we have no idea you know, how, how this is supposed to go. And, and, you know, you, you have to empathize both with the owners and, and with the players. And at the same time, just hope that it gets resolved and these guys get back to, uh, you know, doing what they love and, and, you know, people being getting back to enjoying the sport as a whole.
1: And, and I, I mean, uh, I, I agree to an extent and I'm, I'm just glad that they have been able to figure it out more than anything else, because it, it would have been a real stain if they weren't able to figure it out. So I'm glad that they have, um, the other, the other one I wanted to bounce off is, is more lacrosse. A few weeks ago, we found out that the NLL is, is not going to finish the season. They are going to focus on next year and, and trying to get next season in as close to normal as uh, we're used to. That's, that's eight to nine months off of, of box lacrosse because we're not going to be talking about summer seasons. Like, that's that's a, for, for a league that doesn't play a ton to begin with and for a league that you know there's always been talk about how they can get more games in because it, it is a relatively short schedule that's that's a long break for guys just put yourself uh, put yourself in some of these players shoes and how
3: difficult that would be
6: yeah it's tough normally you roll you know from season to season right um you go from the nll to your summer league you know back to training camp and kind of playing full time so you know, this is the longest break that, that guys that are in this league have ever seen in terms of lacrosse. Even when you're in the NCAA, you're playing in the fall, you're playing in the spring, and then you're playing with your summer teams, respectively. So, um, you know, this is, a, this is a long haul, and it's going to be, um, you know, it's going it's to fall on the guys to make sure that they're prepared and ready to play. And, you know, it's disappointing, but um, I, I saw Jesse King um, sign today in, uh, uh, with the Chrome. Uh, I know that the PLL is going to be playing, uh, you know, sort of a championship series in Utah, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think that's what's great about about lacrosse is, you know, there's guys with families and stuff, um, but the sport is a relatively young man's game. And, and so I think it's going to be great to, you know, hopefully uh, you know, see some lacrosse on TV. I think it's going to be pretty beneficial for, you know, the PLL and, and what they're looking to do um, in the sport to have some sort of championship series that takes place this summer. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're big on NBC, and it would be cool to see that, that come together. And I think that they're really pushing to – it you know, be one of the first sports back here, which be awesome to see. I think it's very you know, likely um, uh, to happen here pretty quickly. I know they're planning on it. So yeah, eight month break, man. That's a long time to be, you know, not training, not playing, not competing. Um, it is disappointing, but you know, I, I'm really confident in the organization here in Calgary. You know, the Roughnecks are are near and dear to my heart, and and the fan base here is spectacular. The people know their sport. Uh, the lacrosse community is really bought into supporting that team. So you know, when it does come back, I hope that. You know that building's full and and remains full. Um, if anything, this could be really probably beneficial for the sport as a whole to take a little hiatus. Um, you know, a little uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and hopefully that uh, that's the case with the National Lacrosse League um, around North America.
1: So it's it's funny you bring that up because when you this is a this is a league that definitely has they've got issues in in being solid it's it's always kind of you always feel like the nll is kind of on a year-to-year basis uh, what do you think this does for the business operations of the league itself is it is, you think there can be some positives in this
6: oh for sure i you know i know that they operate you know some of the some of the legal entities are just interesting some are kind of smaller groups others are nhl teams so you know when you look at like the vancouver warriors or the you know the Calgary like you know, C S E C is uh is there. It's a, it's a strong corp. They got great leadership and, and uh, you know, the, the you know, essentially it's another night in a in, in a building that 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 is, you know, currently existing. So, you know, it's not like guys are paying rent and, and I think for the teams that have sort of that variable cost, that limited overhead, um, you know, not that there is you know, obviously they still have overhead and they still have stuff going on, but it's I think it's pretty turnkey to the point where you know, they can start up operations, the guys that you, know, you kind of worry about are the guys that aren't NHL franchise owners. So what's their temperature to stay in a, in a, in an environment that isn't really generating revenue at the moment. And, um, uh, you know, that's, that's the key to, to this whole thing is, is figuring out, you know, can we, can we keep those teams alive? And and again, I think you're going to run into the same thing. It's just negotiations. It's, it's, uh, it's dollars and cents and, and, I'm hoping that those, uh, you know, those smaller sort of entities outside of the NHL ownership rate have survive throughout this entire thing.
1: With Jeff Snyder, who joins us Wednesdays, uh, what's, uh, what's happening at Elevate Lacrosse? Like you're on the course right now, but I also know that you're trying to get things back and, and up and running at Elevate and get, guy, get get kids back on the field and, and practicing and training again. Where, uh, where are you in terms of a return to action play at Elevate?
6: Well, first of all, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here. You guys have been so great to, to us and the organization in terms of, you know, communicating about the sport as a whole in uh, in Calgary and around the province. So, I thank you so much for the opportunity to continue to chat about it. Um, you know, we're uh, we're firing up right now. We uh, we've got uh, uh, we've got Calgary Field Cross program is, is up and running here, um, open for registration, and we're uh, you know we're you know, getting uh, getting focused to. Um, you know, try and put something together here in the summer. Um, You know, the the rules that have come out from HS are, you know, they're very clear and and we're excited about it. There's, you know, 250 kids almost registered in the Calgary field lacrosse program that, you know, we're happy to work with those guys and continue to put together a a grassroots, uh, you know, advanced programming here in the city with field lacrosse. Um, And I think it speaks volumes that the amount of people that are coming out to register right now, it's, it's great. I think it's a great reflection of how well the sport's doing in the city and and you know, what's uh you know what's what's at stake for the sport in the future? I think it's it's gonna survive and do really well um we've got that we've got a summer camp coming up uh july four, or sorry second week in July um and that's our you know that's our our baby that's been around now. I think this is our fourteenth year, which is really cool, so uh, we're working on that and uh and yeah, we've got a you know, big priority too is our NCAA training um we've got kids that are coming out getting ready to go back in their fall uh, to compete at, at, an NCAA level. So we've got that on deck as well. And, and, you know, the sport's firing up all over the province, The you know, the group here in Calgary, the CDLA is, uh, is looking to get stuff going and, and people are getting excited and, and it's just positive to get kids out, get kids playing and, and uh, you know, continue to be on the front lines of you know, really added into, uh, you know, the sporting community here in the city.
2: That's
1: good, my man. You can find all the information at uh, lacrosse dot com, and I'm glad that uh, you're getting closer to being able to get things back into full swing. That is good to hear. Get back. Uh, where, you're, you're probably now on the tenth hole. Is that where we're talking about now?
6: Yeah, close to it. The guys left me behind. I always, I always take a little hiatus so I can focus and, and pay attention to to you, Patrick, on the radio. is a big priority for me. So. I, uh, I let those guys go, and I'll catch up to them right away.
1: I wish it was more a priority for you off the radio to pay attention and focus on me, but you know what? That's We can we can talk about that in our next counseling session.
6: I love it, man. Thanks so much as always, guys. Love the show, and uh, looking forward to hopefully being back in studio here at some point with you guys.
1: Bye, Snides. Uh, we'll talk next week.
6: You got it, man. Love you. Ciao.
1: Bye, buddy. Jeff Snyder. Uh, from Elevate Lacrosse, former Calgary Roughneck on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Cast hotline. Now open for limited dine in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pasta, pizza, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Uh, we'll continue along next at the top of the hour, Wild Card Wednesday, but around the corner. Um, some actually pretty troubling news when it comes to athletics in this province and university athletics in this province. Uh, We'll delve into that coming up next. It's Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Calgary guys talking Calgary sports. Pinder and Steinberg are only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: This uh, caught me a little off guard today when I read the story. In fact, a texter made me aware of this. Texted in and said, Hey, I'm a former University of Alberta Golden Bear. Did you hear about the news? I was like, no, I didn't. So I went and I Googled University of Alberta Golden Bears. Um, Here is the story. I'll I'll read it right from cbc.ca. The University of Alberta won't be fielding teams in hockey, basketball, and volleyball for the upcoming season, citing a series of financial events that is the university scrambling to balance its budget. The decision... Uh, announced by athletic director for the golden bears and pandas athletics affects the men's and women's hockey basketball and volleyball teams financial disruption ranging from government cuts to impacts from the pandemic has produced a worst case scenario for university of alberta varsity sport uh the quote this scenario has brought most of our diverse revenue streams to a complete halt and the athletics budget is no longer able to support participation for next season while this is an extremely hard decision for us it's in the best interest of the student athletes that we make this decision now so their future is somewhat more clear, end quote. Like that is, that is devastating news for hundreds of young athletes in this province who are not going to be able to play basketball, volleyball, or hockey. And obviously for us, the, the thing that we focus most on is hockey. That's, that is devastating news. And, and with what has already happened at the University of Lethbridge with their hockey program, you're like that's two Canada West programs that are in dire straits going forward, two Alberta programs that are in dire straits going forward. So I just wanted to bring that story uh, to front of mind. Uh, I know that the U of A is is in Edmonton and not you know right in our sphere of influence or or right in front of us, but still, that's that's our province's uh, f- you know our, our province's publicly funded institution. Um, and, and for them not to be holding three varsity sports, both men and women for next year is, is really tough news to hear. And it's not just COVID related. It's, it's a number of things that are affecting it. So I just wanted to get the awareness out there because I think there's nothing I can do to help financially. There's nothing I can do to help, but if, if we get the news out there and if, if people can know about it, it, it might be able to spur on if there is any help that could come, it might be able to spur on that help. Cause I, I don't think it's right that the U of L has to shut down their hockey program. I don't think it's right that um the U of A is going to lose three varsity sports for next year and not just because of a pandemic and for health reasons. Like we already know that coast to coast, U Sports isn't going to be holding their fall season, but now this on top of it. That that's really too bad.
2: Yeah, it is. And it's something we, we discussed a couple weeks ago of the the, the, the kind of deeper consequences of the, the pandemic world that we are currently living in. And, and that's going to be like the NHL will probably figure their way out. And like Calgary Minor Hockey will will get some form of reimbursement or something along the way. They'll be all right. But it's this group in the middle that could be in some trouble. And it's, it's very concerning that uh, this is going this way because I... I I fear this won't be the last of these types of announcements that we're going to be seeing for the next little while here.
1: I hope that, I hope that it is. And I hope that
2: I hope it is, but I don't think it will be. And I I really, it it sucks. It really sucks.
1: I really hope that something can happen so that, you know, this doesn't have to go forward the way it has been announced as of right now, it is going forward like that. I just hope that maybe there's something that can uh, bring it back on the other way. I don't know if that is possible or not, but, yeesh that was um a kick in the gut to uh to hear today so uh i I really do feel for all the athletes involved the coaches involved and hopefully it's just one season at worst and hopefully there's a a a better case scenario that can come from this. Uh, That was really too bad to read. Uh, Okay. We'll, uh, we'll lighten the mood around the corner into our final hour of today's program. Wild card Wednesday around the corner. I'm still getting tweets today about wild card Wednesday from Monday. A lot of people, my, my story about my ex-girlfriend's mother and just how horrible, horribly awful she was to me seemed to resonate with a few people so i was still getting tweets about it a couple days later uh we'll see if we can get awkward and personal again on wednesday wednesday's edition of wildcard wednesday which just happens to be around the corner into our number three we go on pinder and steinberg sportsnet 960 the fan
0: Let's take a spin and find out all the things we never wanted to know about our afternoon show. It's time for Wild Card Wednesday. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Oh yes. Wild Card Wednesday on a Wednesday. Welcome back to the program. Alongside Logan Gordon here at our Sportsnet 960 downtown studios. And Peter Klein, who continues to do the show, the show from the Palatial Klein Estate. It is time for Wildcard Wednesday into the final hour of Pinder and Steinberg today. Before we get to In Conversation at the top of the hour and Tim and Sid at 6 o'clock. We'll hear from Dylan Dubey Calgary Flames forward, will join us here before five o'clock this afternoon. But if you're unfamiliar with Wildcard Wednesday, we're sitting here in our virtual Smoky Gross Casino. It's really gross. Um, it's definitely off the strip and in some seedy area of Vegas. We've got smoke. We've got uh, we've got all kinds of interesting uh, clientele. And then we've got this table with Logo Klein and I even virtually we're socially distanced we've got uh, our big slot machine and uh, we've got our five categories pop culture personal life career sports and wild card we all take a spin and we all answer yeah it got it got pretty personal two days ago we've been doing this more than on just wednesdays throughout the pandemic um it got a little personal on monday didn't it uh, I, I got some tweets i got some texts there, there's some uh, we had some good ones on monday are, are we going to possibly be able to get more personal and more in depth than what we did on monday what do you think
2: uh it it would be tough to but if anyone would be able to pull it off it's us so uh who who knows where we can go with this
1: it really is true like in terms of getting awkward we know what we're doing we know how to do it and we are very comfortable uh in our own awkwardness Let's, let's see if that continues logo has been our leadoff man logan gordon peter klein my name is pat steinberg all right logo what do you got
0: Wild card.
1: Right off the oh. bat.
3: Best and worst part about Kelly Kirsch is your boss. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. AKA the Rocket. Uh yeah.
1: Uh. Whew. Best part is that he he tends to leave you alone for the most part. Like, for, for me, he he's not a big-time micromanager when it comes to what's going on the air. And especially in hockey season, he knows that, you know, I'm, I'm working a lot. There's there's some 16-, 17-hour days in there. And, and he knows that um, I'm pretty taxed, and, and he knows that uh, there's not a lot of hours in the day, so he's not going to take them up with, uh, yeah, I was listening to that segment, and you said, uh, too many times, right? I think that maybe next time you should uh, start the uh, interview with this as opposed to that. Like He doesn't do that. Like He he leaves you to your own devices. If he trusts that you can put radio together, if he believes that you're going to be able to run a show, he just leaves you to your own devices. We still have production meetings. He still has ideas. He still listens all the time. He air checks you, all that type of stuff, but he leaves you to your own devices, which... I appreciate it, and I know Pinder appreciates it, and I know Boomer appreciates it. Like I, I think that you know we've been doing this long enough that we feel that we can put together a product. It may not be award-winning all the time, but we feel like we can put together a product that is arable and and people will listen to. So, I, I like that, but I also I like the fact that he's still listening. The worst part, the worst part of you know here's here's one pet peeve of mine from Kirsch because. We don't want to get fired. Um, here's a pet peeve: <laughs> an email that goes out to everybody at the radio yes. station, and then he forwards it to you two seconds oh, later. Like, damn it, he took mine. That,
2: <laughs> damn it, yeah. yeah. that is 100% mine too. <laughs> like, it's
1: like, okay, this clearly went out to everybody nationwide at Sportsnet, so everybody got that. I'm on the same distribution list as you. Uh, just so that Pat sees it, I'll forward it to him. I won't. He won't even put anything in. Like, won't mean he, like not like. Uh, hey, I think this is important. We should, uh, make a, we, we should make a segment out of that. In that case, it'd be good. But he just like forwards it to you and now you just have two of the same email. I just got this a second ago. I didn't need you to then forward it to me. Four I think-
3: seconds this week after Melissa sent out our, our traffic logs with live reads this week, he's forwarded every single one of them to me two seconds after Melissa sent them. <laughs>
1: do, do you think that we need more clutter? I think it's his... I think it's his passive-aggressive way of saying this is important. I think that's what he's doing more often than not. But I don't know. Maybe he just thinks that we're not getting the emails, or maybe he's being thorough. I don't know. Um, That's a pretty minor pet peeve, though. Are we all unanimous on that (laughs) one? Yeah, yeah, that
3: that was mine. That was legitimately the one I wrote down. (laughs) Forwarding emails twice.
1: (laughs) Wow. I mean, he's probably back at home saying, if he's listening... I don't know how much he's been listening during the pandemic, but if he's listening right now, he's probably like, "Ah, that's pretty nice. They're being nice to me. It's only the, uh, it's only the email thing that they're mad at. Uh, so that uh, it, it's 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 really not that big a deal when it's all said and done, because you're like, okay, no. well, I just got to hit delete twice, but you know." I did just get that email. I I, I was going to read it. I, I didn't necessarily need you to. Fo- Again, if it's going to have additional instruction, like "Hey, come talk to me." Well, let's let's come up with a plan for this. Okay, to just forward it with no added direction is sometimes a bit of a head scratcher. What would uh, yeah, What uh, would be the best thing then?
2: Uh, for me, it, it is kind of along the same lines of uh, of you is that he knows. Like it's it's very much not micromanaging. Um, I remember with the when we did Combat Central, RIP. Um, he would call me and say, like, yeah, "I didn't have a damn clue what you were talking about, but it sounded great. So keep it up." It's like cool. Yeah, that's all I need. Um, so yeah, it, it would be that. Uh, I guess if I had to pick a different one, um, sometimes he'll he'll call you in for a, a meeting, and I'll have no idea what it's about and there's no indication whether it's positive or negative and so for four days I'm just absolutely totally stressing uh, yeah, but this out. This is and
1: then more of just... a comment on you I think than it is on him to right. be perfectly honest.
3: No, I, mm-hmm. I'm actually with Peter on this one. Thank you. There, uh, um, you might not get these, packs. I get them all the time. No, I don't think you do. I get them all the time. I don't let's, you do. Let's chat on Thursday. We get these and I know exactly what Peter's talking about. Because we'll get an email and it's very vague and it's very uh uh yeah we need to chat on Thursday. Yeah, he gives does, doesn't If you could come in time. at eleven, and you're like, uh, there's no subject line, there's guys, no he guys, doesn't put his me, name on let there. Me, let
1: me put your minds at ease. If you are going to get fired, he will ha- he has to set up a formal meeting with himself and a member of HR.
3: How do I know HR is not going to be there? because he has to tell you that HR is going I don't to be think there. that's true. He
1: is so I've I've known people who have been fired from this place and that's the way it works. And and he's not going to give you 4 days notice to come in for a meeting and then fire you. Let's get your heads out of your behinds, gentlemen. He's going to give you Okay. He's going to tell you if he's going How to fire Jason you. How does Jason Baudrill
3: feel right now, Pat? We don't, That's we, different we don't now. work
1: at an NHL team, Logan. Here's what's going to happen: if he's going to fire you, you will get a you will get an email the day before. Please come in at this time sharp. If it is ominous like that, it means you're getting fired. If he uses the term "let's chat," it means you're not getting fired. Now I've, I've worked for the man for 16 straight years, so I, I'm a little bit more um, in tune with how he works. But come on. You're going you're gonna to lose sleep for four days because he gives you a Let's Chat at 11 o'clock? Come
3: on! If I was a boss, that's okay, what I'd do I've it, had, too. Very non us hey,
2: ch- I've had the Hey Let's Chat email, and it's been, oh, by the way, we have a sponsor thing coming in on Friday. And then the exact same Let's Chat was, oh, by the way, uh, we're moving you off the morning show, and now you're an afternoon producer. So it it can go either way. I, get, I wasn't fired. And it, well... Okay. You're Some right.
3: would call that a promotion, Peter I
2: thought so <laughs> Anyway, that's my apparently Illegitimate reasoning behind all of that
1: <laughs> I just wanted to Put you on blast a little bit
3: No, that's fine, I would totally Kiss ass to the boss too, that's a good idea
1: No, it's more just It's <laughs> it's more for the sake of your own mental health Klein, like you know, just, just come to me, if you get an email, just come to me next time And I'll tell you whether or not you need to worry about it or
2: Ah, the winds of change are a blow-in. it's really pulling back the curtain.
1: uh what <laughs> what would be uh what would be the best thing for you logo
3: um I, I, the, the non-micromanagement thing is for sure on the list of, of things that i enjoy from our our uh, fearless leader but i honestly kelly's mostly a pretty positive guy and always <laughs> jokey and that sort of stuff and i think that makes a big difference too i I would hate to work for somebody who's like always a curmudgeon and grumpy about everything and and negative. You can joke around with Kelly, and he's pretty positive, and it kind of keeps the mood at that level. And I mean, look, like we've discussed, the email thing is is, is an absolute travesty and a, a mark on his record. But uh, <laughs> other than that, he's a he's a pretty decent guy to work for.
2: Uh,
1: that was a uh, travesty. That was. Uh... That was a fun one. Right. I, <laughs> you know. I think we're going to all keep our jobs after answering that question. I just got an we're...
3: email that says the winds are blowing and change or something like that.
1: Huh? <laughs> chat. I just got an email. Uh, Let's chat tomorrow <laughs> 9 a.m. sharp. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. That one could yeah. be. If you ever hear the term sharp on the email, probably means you're in trouble.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I, when I was interviewing for this job four years ago, he Told me to be there at 11, and then he had to go for a separate meeting, and I'd interview with the forest. Yeah, see, so timing. Wow, uh, not always huge. Uh, all
1: right, well, I uh, I've got let, let, let's go. I've got one ready. I've got ones ready to rock and roll. Where, where are we going? Good first topic.
0: Pop culture.
1: All right, gentlemen. I think that we're all kind of on the uh, same uh, the same wavelength. We all enjoy. This genre of music—we've all been in Calgary or Western Canada for essentially our entire lives. The best country song ever written is what?
0: Ooh,
3: this is easy. Okay, it's called Baton Rouge" by okay, Garth Brooks. That is
1: a very, very that's good an excellent call. That's very I good call.
3: Cannot go wrong with it. I—it's just—it's classic. And uh, as I know, Calgary is a city that loves Garth. There's something about being at the Dome for. Uh, friends in low places and all that sort of stuff. But I'm sorry. There's something about Garth and, and calling Baton Rouge that uh, will always have a special place One. in my heart. Hello,
1: Samantha. I hope Hello. you're feeling fine. Won't be long until I'm with you all the time. One of the, uh, that song, when I saw Garth at Rogers place in Edmonton, I was just waiting for that song as much as I wanted to hear ain't going down. And I wanted to hear friends in low places. And uh, I wanted to hear the dance and thunder rolls. And like I wanted to hear all these songs there was only one song that i was truly there for and it was for colin baton rouge and uh that is right near the top of my power rankings and that is a solid solid choice logo
2: yeah that is um that is very well done sir that that might be mine i i i was racking my brain and then you picked that and i was like oh I don't think I can come up with better than that. So th- this might be a cop out, but I'm gonna go with logos as well.
3: And I'm fully on board with it. If we all went for Colin Baton Rouge," I'd be happy. I know Pat probably has other ones, but I, it's it's so damn good.
1: It really is good, and it is one of uh, one of my elite country songs, no doubt about. It. I have some others um, that would be like. Do you have? Can you nominate at least one other one, Klein? or Are you just gonna cop out and say "Callin' Baton Rouge"?
2: Um. A little old school, and maybe it's because I've heard it done a couple other times. But um, w- would Dolly Parton, Jolene count? Because that song's tremendous as well. That's good. That's, that, that,
3: why wouldn't that count? That's Miley a, Cyrus did a cover I, of that, and it's excellent. It's so good. It's a good song.
1: Uh, here are some of the other my my right near the top, but not at the very top. Um, Folsom Prison Blues uh, by Johnny Cash. Mm. That is right near the top. Uh, also right near the top, um, somebody like you, Keith Urban, and um, also near the top, something like that by Tim McGraw. Now, I don't really consider those to be the great. Those are just some of my favorites. I do believe Folsom Prison Blues qualifies as one of the greatest ever, But my, and so does Colin Baton Rouge. My greatest country song ever, George Strait, Amarillo by Morning, No Whoa. Questions Asked. Uh, That song gives me goosebumps as soon as I hear those first soft notes. Amarillo by Morning is one of the incredible masterpieces of music ever written. I will go to my grave. If my grave is dug tomorrow or my grave is dug in 80 years, I will go to my grave with Amarillo by Morning, George Strait, as the greatest country song, perhaps one of the greatest ever songs, but definitely the greatest country song ever written.
2: I can't. Uh, I can't disagree with that. All great
3: choices. are you? Yeah, no. I'm. I'm fully. Uh, any George Strait is just something that you, you can't go wrong with. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I would probably, if I had to throw another one in there, uh, maybe some "Living on Love" by Alan Jackson uh, might make it into one of my favorites. There, I'm a big Alan Jackson guy. Um, yeah, that's a good one. That uh, George Strait one's really good. I always seem to forget about yeah. George Strait.
2: It's what about uh, What about "Hurt" by Johnny Cash? I know it was originally Nine Inch Nails. It's a good one. But Johnny Cash puts like the country twang into it, and that's one of the best songs ever.
1: No, that's a that's a solid one. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that one. Um, trying to make sure that I uh, find the right version of. It. I just wanted to hear Amarillo by Morning." Now I just wanted to play. There we go. You got you. What a song. For anybody who has ever done rodeo, or who enjoys rodeo, this is, a, this is an anthem.
0: Oh. Yes.
1: If you've ever interviewed a rodeo guy before, those guys are animals. And what I mean by that is, they will compete, they'll finish, they'll hop in a vehicle with three other people and they'll drive for 15 hours and compete the next day. These guys are are wired completely differently than any other human on Earth, and this is their song. A couple of, uh, you can get to Colin Baton Rouge if you want to play a little bit of that, too, because that deserves some love, too. Uh, What else we got here? Um, Fancy by Reba McIntyre. Forever and Ever Amen by Randy Travis. Good one. Um, what else we got? Honky Tonk Badonkadonk by Trace Adkins. <laughs> uh, Live like you were dying from Tim McGraw. Classic. Uh, Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. Uh, Jolene gets there. Uh, a couple of the covers are also mentioned.
3: Uh, what else we got? Thunder a, rolls. A new one for me that's come from the last few years and a guy that I really really like uh, is Chris Stapleton and Tennessee Whiskey. That's it's good song. So good. Mm. Yeah. And quickly becoming one of my favorites.
1: Uh, What else we got here that is uh, Thunder Rolls, Folsom Prison Blues, uh, Alberta Bound by Paul Brandt. That one always uh, gets the the juices going. Uh, And then a couple Friends in Low Places nominations as well. So
2: some good ones. There's an amazing hard rock cover of uh, Thunder Rolls. It's really, really good.
3: Yep.
1: You have uh, Colin Baton Rouge ready for us, Logo?
3: No, I don't. You having trouble finding it? I am. Well, Garth's a bit. Uh, Garth is
1: difficult to find. A
3: little hard on his music. But... Garth,
1: Metallica, The Beatles, all those
3: are. Um... No, that's still. No. no. <laughs> you just keep listening to it. Well, hold on. on.
1: Give um, it a couple seconds and then we'll move on to Kleiner's question.
3: This is one
1: this of the isn't... lame covers. Yeah. yeah.
3: Definitely not even it. I don't want to hear one of them. I don't either.
1: You know what? I'm angry now that we couldn't find Garth Brooks. I get it. He's very like he's very strict on his licensing, much like the Beatles are, much like Metallica. When I was a DJ, you like all the services didn't offer Garth, didn't offer the Beatles, didn't offer Metallica. So if you wanted to play a song, but you had to play a cover. So we'd play um, like you'd have to play another version of Shout, or you'd have to play another uh, um, another version of Friends in Low Places because of the licensing It was very frustrating. But I understand. Kleiner, you ready to rock and roll?
2: Yes, sir. Sports. Sports. All right, gentlemen. What is the dream sport that you wish you could have played growing up?
3: Hmm. Well, mine's I'm, mine's easy, but you can go ahead. Well, go go because go, I've got a couple. So you go. Yeah, for me it was it was hockey. Hockey was like the only thing I didn't play growing up. Um I don't I don't know why I never I never played hockey. I couldn't I tried skating. I could I've always been able to skate, but I just I never played hockey for whatever reason. I played rugby, I played football, baseball. Uh, I'm terrible at basketball, so I never played that, but uh, yeah, hockey was the one for me that I always wanted to play and I just never uh, I never played it organized sports. I'm not sure why.
1: Uh, I mine mine is also hockey. It was the dream to play organized hockey. The reason why my parents couldn't afford it, like it was, uh, it was, it was a struggle for a good chunk of my childhood, uh, financially. So, uh, and I mean, they did an incredible job with, with extremely limited resources, but you know, the the price for hockey was uh, just was not realistic for us, and the price for equipment and, and fees and, and all that type of stuff. Um, so, I was never able to play organized hockey which was always the dream and I had the the dream of being in the NHL but I knew it wasn't going to happen because I didn't play I uh, have the opportunity to play organized hockey I also also that's not the only reason the fact that I wouldn't have been good enough also plays into that but um yeah so I, I just remember when I got my first pair of skates and how stoked I was and especially when I got kind of my first pair of adult skates and in men's sizes I, I wasn't able to play organized hockey but I was able to get out to the ODR I was able to get out and and play with my friends and like that like I was road hockey all the time like I all I wanted to do was play hockey I just financially wasn't able to kid sport wasn't around at, at this time the same way it is today and you know it wasn't you know there wasn't a station like this that really brought the incredible work that kids sport does to the forefront so yeah that that would be the one that I I wish I always got the opportunity to play in an organized fashion um so that that would be it for me
2: okay both excellent answers uh for me um i I wish i would have played football more i i tried out for the football team and i i was a pitcher in in baseball all throughout high school and uh elementary school and stuff like that uh and thought i'd be all right at quarterback and the coach said uh no you're too fat to play quarterback go on the offensive line uh and that lasted about three hours i was like well screw all of this uh so i wish i would have been able to find a a happy medium uh playing football also um veering off the team sports aspect i wish i would have learned how to skateboard it would have gone absolutely terribly for me because like i have enough travel on or trouble on ground that doesn't move uh but i i do really wish i knew how to skateboard i think that'd be awesome You're, you're not so good with motion either no, uh, if I'm driving it or steering it, I would be all right. Like, I, 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 I don't think I would get motion sick skateboarding. Can I tell the um, story about
1: the time I was driving you, or, or no?
2: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, Will tells it when oh, he introduces it? me to people. So uh, yeah, by all means, go for it.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of, kind of Will. Like. Hey, <laughs> here's my friend Pat. Immediately throws him under the bus. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, all in love, of course. So. Of course, yeah. This would have been like four years ago, five years ago. um, And Derek Wills had everybody from the station over to his place for a barbecue. And so we were all over there. A couple sales guys was there. um, And a bunch of the, the, like I want to say like 14, 15 people were there. So I drove Will and Klein home. And on the way home, Klein, and I didn't think Klein had drank that much at Derek's place. Turns out he had not drank that much at Derek's place but at the time I was like oh apparently Klein's hammered he's like can you pull over I need to throw up I'm like oh am I a cab driver in Vegas like what is happening here and <laughs> next thing you know Klein is puking out the uh, the, the backseat door and I'm like what is going on and Will's like oh you didn't know that Klein's got crazy motion sickness I'm like I had no idea I was just driving a car like I normally drive a car and I gave you motion sickness I still regret that to this day
2: Oh, it, it, it was. It's very much more a me problem than it was a you problem. There was nothing wrong with your driving. It's just the the inner workings of my body apparently aren't great with. Uh, mo- I, I will say it's gotten a lot better uh, the, the last little while. But yeah, it's uh, the roller coaster rides are a, a hard pass for this guy.
3: Oh, I love roller. Planes roller coaster.
2: are okay. Uh, not great, but uh, I'll usually just grab all and fall asleep on a plane. So
1: so has that always been yeah. an issue for you?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, all the time.
1: It wasn't just like it wasn't brought on by the spastic concussions you had there or anything like that. It was. It's always been nope. something that you've about no, always
2: been a problem. Has
1: it gotten yeah. worse?
2: Um, no, I think like I think it's I think it's actually gotten a little better over the last little bit. But um, uh, no, it was pretty consistently bad for a long time there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. That's uh so cl- and. I was going to say football, but it was my own choice not to play football. I could have played. Um, we were in uh, a slightly better financial stand uh, situation then. High school football is significantly more affordable. I just decided I wanted to go home and host a radio show at 5.30 every day instead of, let me re-freeze, host a fake radio show every day at 5.30 <laughs> as opposed to football practice. So that's why I didn't play um, as opposed to playing football. So I can't really... I had the chance to play football. I just decided against it because I was so super cool.
2: Yeah. No, I, again, I had the chance. I just would have had to uh, man up and play offensive line, and I, I did not enjoy the three-hour practice of that, so uh, that was, uh, was going to be a pass <laughs> for me.
1: Uh, that was fun, gentlemen. There is another edition of Wild Card Wednesday.
0: This has been Wild Card Wednesday on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: Couple of texts, 960960. Um, somebody's mad that I use the term ODR as opposed to saying outdoor rink. Um, somebody says that we should cough up 10 bucks a month for Spotify so we can play Garth Brooks. But as Logan apparently Garth is only on Amazon. That's how uh, tight he is with the licensing. A uh, couple of other um, no, nominations for Best Country Song. My Maria, good one. Brooks and Dunn. Race is mm-hmm. On by Sawyer Brown is a is a solid one. Uh, oh, that's great. That's, that's, those are just, both are just classic Stampede songs. Like, when you hear any one of those songs, you know you're at Stampede, R.I.P. Stampede 2020. Uh, but you just know that, oh, uh, here I am at a Stampede bar. I'm at the grounds, or I'm at Cowboys, or something like that. The Race is On is always... Uh, Chattahoochee always puts a smile on your face. Uh, That was fun, gentlemen. Always enjoy doing Wild Card Wednesday with you two idiots. Um, And I am also a fellow idiot. Coming up on Friday, we are giving away prizes every hour on the hour or during the hour for Father's Day. We're teaming up with our friends at Wild Rose Brewery, and every hour we're going to give you a cue to text. And when you hear that cue to text and you text in and you are drawn as our lucky winner, you're going to get a 12-pack from Wild Rose Brewery and a $50 gift card to the Wild Rose Tap Room. It's an awesome way to celebrate Father's Day with our friends at Wild Rose. Uh, All of the details available at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Happy Father's Day from Wild Rose Brewery, wishing you and yours health and safety during these challenging times. We support you, the hardworking characters of Calgary and the rest of Alberta. Hey, what's it like to be back on the ice with your teammates after almost three months away? We'll find out from Flames forward Dylan Dubé coming up next as Pinder and Steinberg rolls on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Pinder and Steinberg continues on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Flames are back on the ice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Phase two of the uh, NHL's restart plan is underway, and that means Flames in Flames jerseys on the ice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. They're small groups, but it's a step. Welcome back to the program. Pat Steinberg along with you on this Wednesday afternoon. And one of those gentlemen on the ice is Flames forward Dylan Dubé, who we have not caught up with on afternoon since this whole thing started. Mr. Dubé, how are you, my man? What's going on?
4: I'm good. I'm doing really well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh exciting to get back. I think it's something we've been looking forward to and even though something for everyone to talk about. So I think it's nice that we got a uh, some different news that's going around and I think it's been good for everyone. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing all right. It's been uh huh? it's been a interesting few months without hockey and without sports, but it feels like things are, are starting to move in the right direction, so we're pretty fired up too. I would imagine uh I would imagine it's good to have news and and to kind of be working towards something for for you as well because for the longest time you you didn't really know what you were working towards right
4: yeah for sure i think uh like the whole time it was up in the air and you (laughs) a couple days you you know it was you know didn't think you were playing and the next couple days you thought you were playing it was it was all over the place at the start and i think this last month we've narrowed it down a lot and and they're starting to get ready to go. And obviously now that everyone knows um, that teams are, well, I guess teams started a little bit earlier than us, but we were Friday Friday for first ice time. And then uh, um, after that, it's still a little worried that that something might happen, but we're on the right track right now. And it's really good mentally for the guys just to kind of have that one goal of getting back and getting ready for the playoffs.
1: So what has it been like being back on the ice? I Take us through the few sessions that you've been through so far.
4: Uh, it's been good. I think I was a little rusty at the start. Uh, I think it was a little little different, though. I think I was kind of ready for it. It felt like the year wasn't over, so it felt like those three months went by really fast. But like usually when you're in the summer, you get away from the game mentally. I feel like it kind of just stayed in it the whole time. So I felt a lot sharper than I thought I would. I think... Uh, my head was in it more than my body. I think my body was a little slow and a little rusty, but overall I felt I felt good and you know I felt feel like now that we've been on a couple more times I'm starting to get back in the swing of things.
1: So, it's been you, uh Gio's been out there, Jankowski, Phillips, who am I missing in terms of been out there with you? Stone? Am I missing anybody?
4: So that's it so far there's that would be five of us, I believe. So what is the, like,
1: what have you guys been doing? What, uh, what, what are the, like, are you, are you going through drills? Are you just skating? I'm I'm curious as to what the actual on-ice sessions have been like.
4: Uh, we just been kind of looking up skill drills and, you know, we're so used to to running proxies and we kind of just take our time with reps, but we do some five-man drills together and just run normal proxies. We can, but we always kind of start off with, some skill and edge work and then build towards a more normal practice towards the end. We all kind of just come in with um, some ideas of what we do. We kind of stick to that, uh, to the plan. Like we'll, we'll uh, kind of just build off of each practice from there.
1: So can you get any, I know that you can't have any contact with the coaching staff, but can you get any type of direction in terms of, Hey, here are some things you could be working on or is it all, is it all from you guys?
4: yeah i haven't heard if we can or not i don't know we kind of just been doing it on ours we've been more worried about our skill set and, and skill drills and stuff like that not as much systems or right or so like that i think it's just more of they want us to get our our skills back And yeah i'm, I'm not too sure if they'll be implemented later but if we're allowed to but so far we've just been kind of worried about our personal games because the the systems are the easy part
1: how uh how's your captain looking is he uh looking like he hasn't missed a beat
4: he looks good yeah i was surprised he looks really good he uh he came out there and you know obviously he was he was working hard and he was pushing the practice and he's coming up with stuff to do so it's awesome to to be out there with him and uh, and to be around him in the rink and it's it's a good guy to model yourself after so it's really nice to to be around him uh you know, every day. Dylan
1: Dubay's is with us of the Calgary Flames. You you've been here throughout this whole pause, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, I have.
1: So what what have you been doing from a fitness standpoint prior to being able to get back on the ice? What have you been doing to, to stay fresh and and do your best to stay in shape? What uh, what has kept you busy in that regard?
4: Well, yeah, I've been I've been working out. I think like even since last Friday, like whenever we started the day, it was I was last thursday we had our first workout or whatever but like i have all the exact same stuff we kind of have in the Sal dome so i've been able to do the the full-on workouts full as hard as i could training so that was really big for me um so i didn't miss a, a step in that but um you know jumping on the ice I, I felt a little different with my cardio like all the guys probably said here a million times it's it's a lot different from you know running hills doing everything till you get on the ice and then mm-hmm. you know, after that i would just I kind of just relax most day. Like there's not much going on like, I think towards the end I started rollerblading a lot more and and stuff like that but you know it was it was really long days the days carried on for, for a while I always tried to wake up at a decent time to to do it because when you're sitting around all day and you work out at two or three o'clock you're not getting the most out of it so you always work out in the mornings and then and I just loaf around for the rest of the day. It's not much. Honestly, I don't have much for you on that one. Do
1: you like? Was it uh, Was it hard to at times be motivated? Like when you're not sure if the league is coming back, and you're like, "Well, I got to stay in shape," and I uh, like this is my profession. Like, what? What was? Was there a mental battle at times in in making sure you got your workouts in?
4: Yeah, I, I think the mental battle is just feeling like I'm getting like out of shape and and we like because when you're done, like I'd be done probably around. Twelve o'clock every day, so that's a long time rest of your day. So it feels like you're sitting around for ten hours, not doing anything. You just feel like guilty with yourself, kind of like the whole time. Like you're not, you know, pushing yourself. Like when you're in the summer, you're you're working out till twelve, you're not leaving till two thirty three from the edge. You come home, you're exhausted, and and you have your nap, and by then it's dinner time. So like by those times, you're, you feel like you're doing a lot more in the day, and like we're I'm still working out, shooting pucks, but it just you get done so early that it's really hard mentally just sitting around for 10 hours a day. You just kind of feel guilty about yourself, but it's uh, you can't do anything else. Just following the protocols and, and, you know, obviously you want to get the numbers down with the virus and hopefully everyone else is still doing that.
1: The, uh, have you like, do you, have you talked to other guys? Have there been kind of similar, similar mental battles with, with teammates and other guys that you've spoken to who are in the same situation?
4: Yeah, for sure. I think everyone was going through it. I think you just got used to that as normal life. I think your, your your mind adapted to it. And for me towards the end, like before I went into the dome, I was actually like, I was like, this is great. I'm starting to get used to it. It it feels really good. And now that I am back at the dome for, for a very short time, I couldn't believe even, I couldn't even imagine going back to that. So it's just something adapting and a lot of guys, we're kind of at that same stage where it just felt like normal life. And now getting back to somewhat normal, I just can't even, can't even fathom going back to that. It was, it was, it was very hard on a lot of guys.
1: I, I can imagine Dylan Dubé is with us of the Calgary Flames, So, where are you? Like right now we know that July 10th is the target date for a training camp to start. And there are some guys in the city and and guys are, are gradually coming back to their NHL cities. Is it like, is it a a feeling of anticipation? Are you excited? Are you still in wait and see mode? Just personally, how are you feeling about the league seeming uh, to be closer to finalizing a return plan here?
4: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fully engaged in this. I'm ready to go. I, uh, no, we're not taking it lightly anymore. For the guys who're here, and I know the guys who are on here are doing the same stuff we're doing now, and and you know trying to to keep up with that same program as we're on. But for us at the rink, it's we're ready to go. Like a, this is a huge opportunity for us to to be able to get ready for it and be our absolute best in in their first game that we get to play. So for us, we're we have no other option but to think it's it's going to happen because we need to get ready um you know even i don't know the i don't know the odds but even say it's 50 50 we have to go 100 percent all all in on on playing for ourselves just so we're ready to go if it does come to that
1: any from what you've heard about how it's going to go or and and each guy is different i think every individual player will have their their own opinion on it any worries or reservations or are you feeling pretty good about what the restart plan is going to look like here
4: yeah, honestly, I'm not uh, 100% sure on everything. I've been on all the calls and and you know talked to the tree and stuff about it, but there's just um, you know so many different ones. But I think uh, whatever they throw at us, I think we'll be ready for it. No matter what happens, it's gonna be a, a very hard playoffs to win. So I think for for me personally, I. I I don't know how anyone says I, I could care less what they throw at us. I just want to play in whatever format it goes to. I just want to be able to, to compete in the playoffs.
1: Have you and so you've been on all the calls? Hey, you've been uh, pretty engaged in this whole thing.
4: Uh like just with our team, like on the calls with our team. Okay. I've done the yeah, like the the PA ones. You know, I have either golfing or doing something like that now that the course is open. But yeah, like it's just you kind of go on our calls and the guys who are you know on on the PA, like for our team, we'll just transfer it all over to us. So it's really nice like we get to know everything, but it, it changes quick and, you know, they're working their best to to be able to make sure it's the safest possible thing and they're going over all their options. So uh, you know, I'm really happy with the, the the way they're going forward with this.
1: So it's been mostly, am I right in saying it's been mostly, since Michael Backlund went back to Sweden, it's been mostly Hamannick and Kachuk who have been the guys on the, the PA calls?
4: Yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah, they're they're always on it. They're letting us know kind of what's going on.
1: Okay. Are you like where where are you in terms of like, this is gonna be different and I know that there's no perfect way to restart the season and, and amidst all of what's going on, there's there's no one hundred percent ideal plan. But it sure does seem like you're on board with hey, things have to be different, things are going to be different, and and you kinda have to embrace things being different in a situation like this. Would that be accurate?
4: For sure, I think we can almost look at it that this will never happen again. Well, I hope not. Um, So, I know just playing this will definitely be a different experience, and I think it's going to be three months out of out of our lives that will be something different. And being locked down in a hotel might be pretty fun with your team. Like honestly, it might be a (laughs) a good time being around them the whole time. Like once you're in a hotel long enough, and like you're not traveling around on a plane, I feel like we'll get more settled in than we think, and and I think it'll be a lot of fun just to be around the team for that while. But then again, I'm I'm a young twenty one year old and there's guys with families and I could, couldn't yeah. imagine how hard it'd be for them. So I'm on a completely different spectrum of a lot of guys. I think for me it's you know, I don't have anything to lose. I, I can pack up and go and <laughs> go on my own way, so it's no problem. But um for me I, I'm excited for whatever gets thrown at us.
1: We're chatting with Dylan Dubey of the Calgary Flames. How were you feeling about the group? Prior to the break, March 8th was the last time you played a game, so it's been more than three months since you've been on the ice for, for actual action. How were you feeling, though, if you can remember that far back? How were you feeling about the group and, and how the team was trending?
4: Yeah, I just, it was a while ago. I think uh, I think for us, it was, it was good. We had that really good road trip um, against all those top teams, and we did really well. We let that one in Nashville get away from us, but just to be able to be in that game... And, and and compete with them, and then beat Boston and and Florida and the teams. Like the road trip that we had, I think after that we got a lot of confidence. And I think we were just going to keep going from there. And even that Vegas game, the last game we played, we lost. But I think you guys can agree that to battle back in that game against a team like that showed yep. that we're we are becoming ready for the playoffs. And that goal doesn't doesn't happen again. Like that's a that's a pretty fluky one to go in and. Um, you know, maybe it goes overtime, maybe they win, it doesn't matter. But just showed coming back at that point, it showed that we were kinda of ready to to make that push and and be a relentless team when, you know, if we go down or go up, I think it was a really good uh game for us to, to finish on.
1: So what are the keys to making sure that you can I mean obviously momentum's gone, everybody's starting on even footing once things get back going again, but what are the keys for you as a group to make sure and you can continue to play the way you were playing prior to the pause
4: um, I think uh, yeah I don't know it, it's going to be hard I think for us I think just these practices and, and you know the workouts as hard as we can go it's going to be completely different there's going to be no guy who is going to be in, in game shape we're all going to be in the same boat so I think from you know yeah, I think it's just mentally being ready like knowing we are ready at the point we were in our last couple of games and just Bringing that over from a mental standpoint because physically it's it's impossible for someone to get right into playoff mode for for game one and I think for us it's just going to be that big mental factor that we're ready for this and, and we can make a big run for it. Well,
1: it, it's funny because, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you about the team that you're going to play. I mean, you don't really know a whole lot about the Jets. You, you didn't play in the game, that the, the one game that they played against one another going back to October. So you've got one game that these two teams played with one another in an outdoor game in a neutral site. And now all of a sudden, five games against one another to determine who's going to the playoffs. What, what do you know about the Jets? And, and what do you know about how difficult that five-game series might be?
4: Yeah, yeah. For me, like you said I didn't I didn't play against them this year, so it's hard hard to tell. They're they're a fast team. They've got some um very skilled forwards as as everyone knows. So I think for us it's gonna be an exciting it's gonna be a really quick series and uh and you know, the the guys we have on the front end, I think it's it's gonna be back and forth a lot, but um it's crazy. Five game series, it's gonna be fun. I mean you know, every game's important in the seven game, so I can't even imagine how how desperate oh, yeah. both teams are are going to be in this. So I think it's gonna be really exciting and it uh you know it's like just breaking into the playoffs for there, but for us, it'll feel like that's the the first round of playoffs and and I think it's gonna be exciting. it's gonna be a lot harder to win it this year just from what what everyone's gone through, and there's gonna be some more games. Uh, for normal playoff hockey. So it's going to be exciting. How, uh,
1: how were you feeling about your game individually prior to the pause? Were you feeling pretty good about things?
4: Yeah, I was. I think so. I think our, our line went on a little bit of a, a drought there for a little bit, then I think the last game in Florida was probably one of our best games in the line. Um, Luke scored in that game. And then we came back. I don't know if we had a, a home game for that, but then our Vegas game, we were really good together in the second and third. Um, you know when our lines go on that's when i'm playing my best hockey so i think um when we're together we need to be a you know a big separation for for our team to be able to be the kind of the underdogs a little bit i think that's usually how it works the third and fourth line and playoffs are are kind of the the guys who will you know get the ones that people don't expect and teams don't expect so i think we need to be really good and and kind of take another step for these playoffs for the team.
1: You talk about your line with uh, Derek Ryan and and Milan Lucic, and tell tell me specifically because I, I know that prior to everything shutting down, there there was a little bit made of this. But you know, Milan has said nothing but good things about you, and and talked about kind of taking you under his wing, and and you've talked a lot about how important he's been. Tell us a little bit more about that, and and how big Lucic has been for you over the last number of months.
4: He's been great. It, it's I can't, can't say enough like for, you know, since day one, like being on the bench with him, just my first game, I kind of calmed me down a little bit. And, you know, it doesn't help going into your first game and playing with Lou Just he's a, you know, he's pretty nerve wracking to be around if you don't know him. I think you guys can probably <laughs> yeah agree with that. The first time you met him, like you, just, you don't know what kind of guy he's going to be. And then just once you're on the bench, you, you kind of talk differently. Like you you need to talk more. You're not nervous. You're kind of, you don't feel like a rookie as much. So I think being around him on there and being probably four or five games on the bench, we got really close. And I think just when he kind of realized that, you know, we could play together and with Doc, I think we bonded a lot more and we started going out for dinners together. And I think the, the stuff he did for me was, was huge. Just a guy who's done everything and won the Stanley cup, you know, played on a team like Boston and, and, been around the best player in the world and, and and stuff like that i think he's been he's been on a couple teams and been around a lot of guys in the league so i think just learning from him and learning kind of what you know makes someone be around the league for that long i think that's huge for me
1: have you uh have you been like you've been out golfing uh, you've already said that like how many times have you've been on the course at this point
4: so i've i think i've played I've been this week. I've been Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I think I've already okay. been out. So yeah, like I've been golfing probably four times a week. And let me—I'm getting worse. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. It's painful. I just—I don't want to play anymore.
1: Are you—are you on the course <laughs> right now, or like we're, we're not no, interrupting? I'm, a game? Uh,
4: no, I'm—I'm I'm back at home. But okay. I, was, uh, I didn't play today. I took today off. I was pretty. I went to Canadascas yesterday with uh, Jane and Phillips. So that was a that was a really long day, but it's unbelievable. But I think that was probably I set a record for probably the highest I've ever shot in my life. So I don't know what's going on. I thought I'd be getting better at this point.
1: <laughs> That's too bad. Well, I mean you, you still got you still got some time to, to figure it out. Uh how just uh and and just before we let you go, you, you talked about kind of what your days were like. Any uh any any tips for those who are still at home and having to stay at home? Do you got any tips for the, you you had ten hours after your workout to to kill and loaf around what uh, what got you through and what has been getting you through
4: I think just keeping contact with people whether it's time for me video games i think when you're you know feeling a little bit mentally i think i just get on get on something right away and, and talk to someone communicate i think when you know you, you talk to, to someone that you can relate with and you have a relationship with I think it helps because you know you're not going to talk about how the world's different how you want things to get back to normal I think you got to be around your family and people that you can have meaningful conversations with so it's not kind of the the same old conversations with COVID I think you need to kind of move on from that And you know if you follow follow the rules still but I think it's kind of more talking about you know normal things in life again and be able to kind of clear it mentally.
1: Nice. I like that. That's a good tip. Dylan, appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Uh, It's good to see you back on the ice, and uh, hopefully we'll see everybody back on the ice here in training camp in the next few weeks. Thanks for doing this this afternoon.
4: Sounds great. Take care.
1: That's Dylan Dubey of the Calgary Flames on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. That'll do it for the program. In Conversation with Ron McClain is coming your way next and at 6 o'clock, it's Tim and Sid included in that. Uh, Kevin Bieksa, former NHLer, will join the guys on the program tonight. Uh, all of our stuff today, including that chat with Dylan Dubey, our chat with Jeff Snyder, the opener, uh, Dave Dickinson from the morning show, and a whole lot more up at sportsnet.ca slash 960 right now. You can catch all of our stuff on demand tomorrow on the program looking forward to catching up with new calgary stampeder richard leonard their big free agent signings going to join us in our brand new stampeder spotlight every thursday at 3 30 that's part of tomorrow's program on the show for logan gordon and peter klein my name is pat steinberg we will talk to you tomorrow it's been pender and steinberg on sportsnet 960 the fans